Grab a seat, boy. Grab yourself an egg roll. We got everything here from a little eye Joe to damn if I know. You are now listening to the Nerd Words Podcast. Brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com Get those nerds! 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 All right, friendo. Hello. Yes. How are you? Welcome to another exciting and wonderful edition of the Nerd Words Podcast. Today, this is a first. It's just the two of us, myself and Mr. Robert. Hello. And today we're going to talk about the culture of nerd. What exactly is nerdy? What's dorky? What's geeky? What constitutes? And hopefully we'll, uh, we'll spend a great deal of time, you know, ruminating about it. And it will be a wonderful <laughs> and interesting show. I'd like to start off again with the definition of nerd. It's a, a foolish, inept, or unattractive person <laughs> in slang. Or two, a person who is single-minded or accomplished in scientific or technical pursuits, but is felt to be socially inept. So either way, there is socially unacceptable, you're not in, right? is what it comes down Which to. Which I think that uh, nerd culture has kind of gone way past that definition. To be nerdy... Do you know the origin of the of the word nerd? No, I would like it's to know. It's a Dr. Seuss book. Oh, yeah? Yes. Let me see if I can get to the quote here. It's in If I Ran the Zoo. It's a children's book by Dr. Seuss. Uh, the book's narrator lists various imaginary creatures that he would keep in the zoo if you're allowed to run it. And uh, when, when objections are called to the people about what he would have in the zoo, uh, Dr. Seuss says, And then, just to show them, I'll sail to Katru and bring back on it a clutch, a preep, and a prue, a necktie, a nerd, and a seep sucker, a seer sucker too. And the nerd is a small humanoid creature looking comically angry. <laughs> so it's the first considered the first origin of the word, first thrown out. <laughs> kind of makes sense, right? It does. It makes a lot of sense. It's uh, but I, cute. I, I think that that was uh, the kind of the uh, like an old way of looking at what a nerd was. Right. At that time, like especially you know in the eighties, like you have movies like Revenge of the Nerds that shows all of these like highly scientific yet socially incapable people that sort of congregate together, and you know nobody likes them. And yeah, I don't, I don't really think that that's what it is anymore. In fact, I think that nerd culture, or geek culture, has kind of uh, <clears throat> really taken over the mainstream. Well, nerd, nerd is one of those words that are outdated, right? I mean, yeah. you had nerds, preppy jocks, yep. later on skaters, then you had uh, was the rockers, mm-hmm. you know, or what have you, and that evolved to goth. The dweebs and the screwheads. Right. It was all <laughs> social gangs, right? right? You remember that? Back right. in the day, everybody had a classification, everybody had a group. Definitely very high school-minded. Uh, We're nubile. Um, I'm sure that there's still some degree of that. We've been both been out of high school for a very long time, so you know it doesn't mean I haven't talked to them. A lot of kids I've I've taught and actually you know had discussions with. Uh, there's an exception, right? Inner city kids, right. they definitely still have gangs. Right, there are gang members that go to school. They don't need nerd or jock. There are gangs, and universally, anybody there would participate in sports as a way out, as as a way to stay out of all the all the business, right? Yeah, like it's real serious. But if you get to the more you know, I'll say rural. Uh, schools, you know, farther away from the city. What I found is, is that with the anti-bullying propaganda, propaganda, well, yeah, the anti-bullying, that everybody gets a trophy for participation, stuff like that. Right, the they, all inclusion. They've done everything 
to remove that type of stuff from happening. You know, really just make it to where everybody gets along, everybody's here doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And they do it because a lot of people see test scores improve or what have you because they're removing social clutter. Right, because they're not, you know, breaking off into little cliques of people and having people isolated. And, you know, for good or for bad, you know, looking at things in hindsight, we're nubile. You can't really say, well, you know, oh, that was great for me. Or, you know, look at how our, our generations turned out. Oh, yeah. With a new generation, you don't really know how that's going to turn out, but I can't imagine that anything that forces other people to feel isolated is ever a good thing. True. I, I know that if you throw somebody lumped together within the group based on what they like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, how is it any different than, well, we'll just say it's different than racism, but it's along the same lines. Yeah. Like, no matter what, you you like that thing? Well, then now you're this. Yeah, I think it's a form of classism. I mean, it's yeah. it's probably not to the same degree as, you know, traditional class isolation, you know, poor people, ultra-rich people. But it's still a form of, of isolationism. It's It still keeps people separated. And right. I think, um, I, you know, I was curious your perspective on this because I think that um, growing up, geek culture had its own sort of isolationist mentality as well not really willing to accept new people necessarily very you know even though it was relegated to like the you know the shadows it still was very like you had to prove yourself before you were welcomed into that at least here yep you know i know you have a different perspective because you grew up kind of in the south and it was a different really kind of like a different environment i just had a a comment on your thing real quick yes you, sh- you should find it humorous that I was not allowed mm-hmm. to hang out with the quote-unquote nerds in our school. My grade point average wasn't high enough. <laughs> there was We had one Asian uh, gentleman in our school who had an unbelievable grade point average. Mm-hmm. I, it, would, it blew off the charts. Like, it, it, equivalent in a 4.0 school, he had a 5.0. Because he just, where he was from, he just they had hard He just over-excelled. And, and, and he just excelled at everything. And he was like the king of the nerds. Mm-hmm. And literally, my grade point average wasn't high enough. <laughs> they didn't want me to sit with them. They didn't want me to talk to them. The only way we even met at a common level was because I was in the comics mm-hmm. and because I was in the video games and because I was like the one quote unquote jock who would talk to them. You know, I bridged the gap, but I did that for a lot of people. But I just thought it funny. If you can imagine that, old Bob goes to the lunchroom and I can't sit with the nerds. I could sit with the jocks, no problem, but them, no. So I was like, force a jock table guy. It was weird when I was in school and kind of like integrating into different, you know, groups and different subcategories because, you know, I always was like the metalhead kid and kind of like looked at like the fuck up. So I kind of hung out with those people. But then like you, like you said, you know, I was into comic books. I collected comic books. I was into you know, toys, and then at an early age was into role-playing games. And I remember when I was first, like, kind of uh, sitting down with these people that, you know, became part of that role-playing group, there were kids that were, like, really ultra-smart, but really socially inept. And then there was, you know, some older people that were, like, already out of high school because, you know, it attracts such a different age category. So you had people that were, like, either... I think I was about 12 years old. So you had people who were like seniors in high school already. You had people who were like just getting into high school. And then you had like eighth grade kids. So you had this weird group that was like old losers that weren't really doing anything. You know, at the time, you know, that's, you know, being being 12 or 13 years old, that's how you saw them. Then you had like the kind of weird off kilter kids that were smart, but 
really just didn't have any social concepts. They didn't really understand how to interact socially. And then you had like the weird metalhead fuck up kids that were kind of like getting into it, like really curious. Yep. And it took a while for that group to kind of coalesce into one group because there was always like that point where they'd be like, all right, you can sit in, but you know, just don't do anything stupid, you know? And so, you know, we would participate and, you know, kind of fall into that, that kind of group. And, you know, every Saturday or every Friday or whatever, whatever day it was, we'd get together and do this, that, and the other play Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. (laughs) I don't really, uh, I don't really see it as being so isolationist anymore. I think that with how big that sort of culture has become, you know, you have like podcasts are super popular. That's kind of a geeky thing. You have all these shows on television, movies, well, you know, let's call it what it is. The reason why that culture that it, it turned, so to speak, the worm mm-hmm. turned, is because technology boomed. Yeah, I was I was going to say that. Yeah, it was about technology. They always did. Right, nerds. Right. So we watched the world turn to them to understand the new world. Right. And because of that, there was an embrace of nerdum, mm-hmm. but only so far. Right. I want to highlight that it doesn't matter who you are. If you are someone who's not fitting in the model A clothes, the just right physique the mm-hmm. killer looks it doesn't matter right mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how nerdy you are yeah if you still can't hang in that click you're not with the a number one crowd right you're just nerd enough not now you're not looked down upon it's considered all oh, cool he's right, like oh okay yeah you know he okay he's into something you know <laughs> right. it's it'll be cool he'll be goofy it'll be great we'll right check him out and then you know we'll move on with their life I, I I found it astounding really as like I got into my 30s and like my late 20s and early 30s where I remember growing up and being into comic books, being into, you know, being a movie geek, you know, being into role playing games and stuff, being into video games just in general. Like those were not things that, you know, it was just like, ah, he's one of those fucking goofballs, you know. <laughs> but as I watched the technology become more prevalent and, you know, watched cell phones and tablets and all this stuff where like now everyone is connected. And you see, like, nerd culture has become so overwhelmingly present everywhere you look, you know? you can secretly check out what a nerd's into right. without any of your social group figuring it out. Right. And then decide if you like it or not. And you either like it enough to where you'll let that stand and you'll back it or you'll just be interested in it. Mm-hmm. And won't really bring it up in right. places you don't want to talk about at parties type thing. Right. And what I found is, is that there are a lot more people who are kind of cowardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to it, they won't stand up and tell, like I've noticed people who are married, they won't necessarily tell their wife they're into something immediately. Right. Right. They'll wait till it comes up and kind of, we've seen this. A yeah. Lot. This, this is something that we see it in our, comes our... Up at a party. We're talking about a movie. We talk about a video game. We talk about a role playing right. game. And that husband who they thought was the super jock hunter type. Right. Never says like, oh man, I love Deadpool. I think he's hysterical. Oh man, D&D. Oh, I used to play that back in the day. Oh, they're on Pathfinder now. Oh, that system sounds awesome. I totally want to check it out. When, honey, honey, you like who? Uh-huh. Oh, he's just talking with the guys about what they're into. You know, I know a little bit. <laughs> like you like know? having to lie to your significant other or maybe not even just fib. Right. Like, oh, I'm just going to go out with the guys and get a drink. And it's really. Uh, right. And it's right. way more innocent than that. They're literally <laughs> just going to hang out with a bunch of other guys and roll dice and pretend for four hours. Exactly. They're not going out and drinking. They're not going out to watch the big game. They're just going out to geek. Have you noticed it too? That like drinking alcohol and gaming, 
like we do it and occasionally you know we don't care but oh, right once in a while oh yeah but it's a big time no-no though yeah if you're getting into a new group or if you're there at all they're like oh i don't don't we're imagining we're imagination right. enough for whatever you want right. to do. No, you know, it, it's a special event. I've noticed <laughs> that with a lot of like gaming troops that they'll go, "Oh, well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to we're going to play Pathfinder. We're going to do it while we drink." And that's going to be wild and crazy. <laughs> right. You know, it's like a special event. You know, it's not it's not really I've never interacted with a gaming group where it, drinking or or getting high was just widely accepted. Uh, the the only time that I can ever say I noticed it or saw it was in like larger LARPs. You'd have people that would run off, go have a few drinks at the bar, and then come back. Right. But they never did it there. It was never like openly exposed. And and, and what was strange, you would either they would either pregame mm-hmm. or they would pre hit a ball right and then show up to game. But they would never ever do it right in front of everybody else because there's rules to a LARP. Yep. You can't do that a LARP. You right. can't influence that. At a live action role playing center, because of the age age difference right. you mentioned earlier, there's such yeah. a huge swing. You can't come out here and you know show a twelve year old you know what, what, what's going on with the world. Speaking of that age difference, like let's talk about the like age gap that we would find at these. Now, for those of you that don't know or maybe aren't exposed to different types of gaming, different types of entertainment, a LARP is a live action role playing game, and there's a big variety of different live action role playing games. You have like your fantasy based ones like Nero and stuff like that, and then you have like we would play Vampire the Masquerade, and a LARP we're not walking up and punching each other or doing anything like that, but you're acting out your character, and then there are different systems for resolving conflict, but. The LARPs that we would play, they were weekly. And some, you know, for some of us, we would play five or six times a week. Right. They'd be vampire horror-based games. Right. We'd play these all the time. Right. And I know for a fact why it was such a success was because it gave a venting platform to the angst that people felt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's an unknowable angst growing up that everybody gets. And normally they go out and they do wild shit. Right. They go and do these you know, crazy things, right? Right. I'm going to go drink in the woods and get plowed and whatever, and mm-hmm. let's go throw rocks through a window. This is our go throw rocks through a window. Yeah. Was we go do a LARP, but we would do it where it was fictitious. Yep. Right? You would, you're acting, and yeah. it would teach you to be witty. You had to think in your feet nine times out of ten how to play a game of basically uh, politics. Yeah, it was a lot of political intrigue, and you'd really have to learn how to think on your feet, and you'd have to learn how to react in an open forum with you know, dozens, sometimes hundreds of people gathered around either watching you or participating in a similar fashion. Oh, yeah. And it got intricate. Yeah. Because if you're going to be a rich guy and you're really not a rich guy in in real life, you had to research that role. Yeah. What would a guy at that level of pocket, you know, pocketbook be able to talk about? Yeah. What has he not done? And, you know, and then you got to think, well, now I had immortality on top of it. I don't know anything about that. Who does? Right. So you have to expand on your own story and kind of, you know. Research, research, yep. research. Yeah, and absolutely. I think some of the unsung gems here is that when you LARPed, at least from my perspective, it taught people how to, A, know your game. Yeah. Research it, right? Not just the rules, but the background of what you're about to talk about and discuss with people. Absolutely. Two, how to interact with someone. You can't carry on a conversation with walking up and just saying, let me vomit everything I know. Oh, yeah. And figure it out. And plus, how do I not give you not give away the important stuff I'm trying to do and still get you to tell me all the stuff I'm trying to manipulate yeah. out of it? And, and on that point, how multifaceted is it to you? Not only do you have to learn how to interact with people 
and hold a conversation, but now you have to be able to hold that conversation in a fictitious manner. Right. You you have to not only learn <laughs> how to interact, but you have to learn how to interact from the perspective of your character. So there's a lot of different tools that it teaches you. I love examples. And I remember you being on staff with me when we were out at the Bolingbroke uh, Park. Do you remember at the the, the, the Girl Bolingbroke Scout camp or whatever? Yeah. yeah. When we rented it at out. the cabin. And I remember having, you know, the big to-do, the big conclave. Yep. And I had to play the Justicar. And I had to get suited up, gelled yep. my hair back, sit down, and I did extensive research of how to portray something as being old. In particular, the vampire. I was looking at all these sites and films and method actors. Mm-hmm. The big thing they did was that they would sit still. They would sit in a room for hours. Yep. And they would just stare at a point in the wall, and that's all they would do. Yeah. Now, they had to be aware of all the sound around them. But make it look like you don't, like you're you're not even there. Right. The effect it had is exactly what they talked about, that when we introduced that crowd, anybody that moved felt like this guy is going to react. It added a level of tension. Yeah. And even me running it, I know, I don't know if you saw this too. Oh yeah, for sure. I saw everybody want to stay and hug the walls. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wanted to walk in my view. I remember it was very creepy because I, you know we would kind of like be interacting off to the side, like watching what was going on. And I remember people going, is he, is he like, is he sleeping with his eyes open? What, like what is going on with him? And then without any, you know, there, there was no seemingly any reason for you to, to react, but then immediately you'd say something or, or you'd move your hand or you'd look at somebody or you'd point or you'd usher somebody over. But it was so just kind of like off kilter. You know, it wasn't how a normal person would react. And that, you know, stuff like that where you're learning how to portray something that's not you. You're acting and you're acting out of role and you're not getting paid for it. You're not being trained to do it. You're literally doing it for the joy of either the joy of playing that character or the joy of providing other people entertainment so that they can be sort of more immersed into whatever they're being presented I enjoyed being someone else. Now, I know that you you were big right with me in researching roles and coming with quirks mm-hmm. and gimmicks of how to interact with people. Yeah. And from the start of game to the end of game, that was you. Yep. It didn't matter who was talking to you. That was it. That method acting, right? Right. The reactions are what I enjoyed. I enjoyed coming up with probably... I, I always in my head thought they were decent accents, but they were probably shitty. Whether, <laughs> whether it was French or British or Australian. Right, but it helped. Right, or, or done them all, but it helped people see you as not being Bob or not being Nathan. Right. And uh, Nathan, I don't know, was it years since you've been called that? So, but anyway, I, I do remember a point where we decided we were going to play uh, Siren and Chilled. Mm-hmm. And you were the, the prince, the leader of the city. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around as your sheriff. And I remember this time being at COD... And this is where I think you and I started to be known as social bullies, <laughs> where we were critiquing everybody and their style of hair, their style yeah. of dress, yeah. the words they were using. Right, exactly. But but addiction. in the in the context of that game, it, you know, there's plenty of fiction that you can read, and there's plenty of rule books you can read for those of you who aren't haven't been introduced to it. But those little those little things, those are a, a deep aspect of that game. Oh yeah, you know, and it was something that a lot of people just sort of skipped over because you don't you don't act that way in your everyday life. You as the person going back and forth to work, you don't give a shit what somebody's pants look like. You don't give a shit what color shoes or what brand of shoe they are. But when you're playing this like, you know, 700 year old art snob who has seen every level of beauty that could ever be presented by a human being jaded, right, doesn't show it, right. 
you have to have those things as your focus. You know, like I remember that specific uh, situation where, you know, I was playing that elder prince character and, you know, people are just interacting and talking to me. And like I just had a guy and I would just look over and I would just make a little motion to him. And then that person would get dragged off and their character would get the snot kicked out of them. And it would be and they had no right. And they had no idea why what they did. And I always had a reason, you know, as the character, I always had a reason. But uh, but you got to remember, though, there was a point where games stopped being let's go and all participate and all do the same getting character thing. And it became the Bob show, the Bob right, Nate show. Right. Yeah. You know, what are they playing this week? What are they playing next? What do they have said? Right. And they would come to watch us play these characters. Right. And it was I, almost like minstrel theater. It didn't matter. Right. I had a string of 15, which I think the number one was that Calhoun a monster. Yeah. It still baffles me today. That's the number one thing people want to see me play still. Yeah. You know, you a nine foot tall monster that that ate people and terrorized everybody. Right. And they wanted me to play this thing. And then, you know, even to you, how you play that I forget it's Alfredo the Butcher, I mm-hmm. remember that. The Italian mobster that became a vampire and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize that you spent a good week and a half researching La Cosa Nostra, their origins in Sicily. Dude, dude I've I've spent way too much time. Oh yeah. And when we were when we were running the game, I was like creating whole like flow charts of people like right, but it's not just the flow chart we went and got or we found these poster boards no we mm-hmm. got these they yeah were like what like like nine literally they would cover a wall yeah they were they're big pieces of poster boards and yeah. we wrote out a fictitious hierarchy of the mob based on what really existed yeah and what the world of darkness would have had in it right and then how they would relate and who's from sicily and who's the punk made up names for all of them History nicknames right like just this extravagant just so that when some player who had a character wanted to go do a thing and wanted to interact we could go it's so and so remember he's related to so and so and just like literally just minutia oh yeah we got so deep into the minutia of that game and to bring it back to our point i think that really when you get down to it the heart of what a nerd or a geek is, is someone who is obsessed with something to the point where they want to know every single little detail about it. They, they want to know, you know, what issue did this guy originate in? What TV show was he on? Who played him in the 60s? You know, like you get down to that minutia, whatever your thing is, whether it's gaming or comic books or, or fucking collecting fucking garbage pail kids, you know? Exactly. You just didn't, you didn't settle for the base dip your toe in the water method. Yeah. It was you were in both feet because how are you going to enjoy it? Right. And I want to add that too, like before we get into the next facet of it anyway, um, and the next facet being Nero. I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to, to talk about that because that's geek. Right. That's definitely nerd, uh, nerd material. But when you look at the facets of what people call nerds, what do you call a guy who is 100% into golf? He's a golf nerd. Right, he's just no, he's just a golf guy, right? <laughs> right, That's what right. People would say. right, right. He's a golf guy. We would call him a nerd because right. nobody gives a shit that about you smacking a ball at eighteen right. holes all day long. Because we, to to us, the the significance of golf and the players of golf and the the different little uh, strategies of golf, they don't mean anything to us. We don't give a shit. Not at all. It's just something for people who have that kind of wealth and right. time. To sit back and this is a thing they can do and do it well or bad. They had fun on eighteen right. holes that day. Right. What golfers right. do you know? Tiger Woods so, and uh, 
I know a bunch. I know a bunch. The, the iced tea friends. and lemonade guy. No, no, I mean like what? For what, real? What famous golfers do there, you know? Arnold Palmer, because I enjoy the iced <laughs> right, tea and lemonade. Right, That's right. why. And Tiger Woods, because everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. Right, because he can't stop cheating on his wife. Right, That's and, the, and I think there's a guy named Jack Nicholas or something, but I only know that because yeah, it sounds right. like Jack Nicholson. So right. That's it. And then, like, they played in Hawaii, I think. Yeah. They, once upon a time at some golf yeah. board. There's not much you know about it. Right. But you can tie any sport, any specific. If it entertains you and it entertains a group, mm-hmm. just because your group is big doesn't mean you're not a nerd. Right. Because it depends on how well you know it. Right. For instance, there are people who know statistics of football. Oh, my, yeah. I was going to I was gonna mention that. Like, I think that there's, there's two different types of people that aren't the traditional nerd road. You know what I mean? So you have... Your traditional nerds, everyone kind of looks at them and goes, ah, it's a geeky guy, whatever. Right. Then you have people who don't know they're nerds, like your fantasy football people, the people that spend two or three hours a day gaming on their cell phone. <laughs> like, you know, those people are nerds and they don't know it. And then you have like the culturally nerdy, which I don't feel are, are really real nerds, but they like the look. You know, they like to go out and buy a, an Avengers t-shirt or, you know, get a, you know, a little toy and wear black rimmed glasses because it's stylish and cool. But Absolutely. they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're attracted to what nerd culture has become, but they're not really into it. It's just a fashion thing. Exactly. But then you have the, the important people, the ones who are closeted or don't know that they're nerds. I think this stems from, you remember being a kid mm-hmm. and your parents would drag you over to a friend's house to socialize with their kids or whatever right. kids were there, how if you didn't have interest to go play with Tommy's toys, you know, or at least let me, <laughs> let me speak from experience. My mom would always try to tell me, well, don't you want to do what the other kids are doing? Right. Like go play with the other kids, right? That mentality has always stuck with me throughout my life, which is why I remember it. And I think formative years, there it is, where we were taught, if you weren't doing what everybody else was doing, something was wrong with you. Right. You know, you got to be sick. Or what have you to not? Or you're weird, you know. You're you're. Why does he want to be alone? Right. Doing such awesome stuff with puzzle pieces. Right. You know, even though Bob didn't care about puzzle pieces. Yep. And I didn't do nothing for me. And I think that's why, if you add that, and and kind of kind of follow my logic here. Yeah. When you look at sports, everybody's taught that through junior high and high school. Yeah. You know, how to get into the big yes, sports. Yes. Sports are like a major focus. I remember as a child, they were everybody. If you weren't on a team. It's you know. giving you something to do to handle the monotony of what you're doing every day. I believe that is the whole, I wholeheartedly believe that's the truth as to why they're introduced in junior high and it's high like school. like stop gaps. Yep. <laughs> to get you used to the fact that this is your, this is your life. Because the axiom where someone says, okay, you're not mature enough to understand what's going on. When you're an adult, you'll get it. Right. When I became an adult, which was 18, there was no secret <sighs> packet I got explaining how life was going to work. No. Because there isn't one. No, there it's definitely isn't. It's just you're isn't. older and your experience is up to that point, you're technically brand new because you're brand new on your own by law. Right. You know, nothing can hold you back from doing what you want to do. Now, being 36, I sit here and I chuckle every single day when I think about football and I think about, you know, volleyball teams and whatever and all that stuff that happened around high school because all it was was a pastime. Yeah. It was just a pastime between me going to school, going to work. And now that you're an adult, you need to have a hobby. What do we do? They made a literal business out of those things that were implants in our head at school, and we naturally gravitate towards them. Yep. Because if you played on a, on a sport team in high school, you also had the sport life, 
which is when you're done, you get to go to all the cool dinners and all the good places and everyone met you and everybody's giving you all this attention. Right. You know, for, for the guys, you know, it's girls wanted to know you if you were cheerleaders. Guys always wanted to be you. And everybody just see the normal people just saw all this attention going to them because why? They played sports and represented the school. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Yeah. And it came down to an attention thing. But the nerds, oh, that was such a bad thing. Now, it's literally turned opposite. Yep. You know, oh, great. You like football? Cool. There's a football season. It comes like the weather. Right. It literally does. When the changing of the season, it'll be football, and it'll be baseball, and it'll be hockey. And there's so much sport. Who cares? Yep. It's like, you have your favorite team. Great. Fantastic. Put the app on your phone. Do your little fantasy and yep. call the day. It, it always cracks me up when we're, we're, we'll be sitting there playing Xbox and playing whatever game. And then, you know, as soon as football season rolls out, you start hearing all the, oh, you know, did you pick up so-and-so for your team? Yep. Did you do that? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, it's annoying because I don't give a shit about football. I don't know anything about it, really. I don't, you know, sports was never my thing. You know, competition in that sense was never my thing. But I'm just like, it, it's acceptable. Because right. literally all you're doing is you're talking about the same fucking thing, but you've transitioned to a different piece of competition. And I'll add this. It's not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just I think what we're trying to do right now is kind of beat in the listeners' heads here that there is no different, no difference at all, logically, scientifically. Mm-hmm. It's only a social difference because you choose to make it a social yep. difference. What one person considers a hobby and you don't. Yep. It's a matter of interest because they're all going to do one thing, distract you from life. Yeah. It's a higher intellect that yeah. allows you to have these hobbies to continue eating, sleeping, pooping, uh, yeah. going to work, you know, paying your bills. I think a lot of it really comes down to dealing with the shittiest aspects of your life. Yeah. It's a, it's all, all hobbies are, they're an escape. They're something to distract oh, yeah. you from your terrible job or your shitty boss or this, you know, your kids being sick or, you know, you name it. That's what it is. And for like kids, I think most kids get involved in, in escapism because something's shitty in, in their lives as a child, you know, and this offers a way to put your mind somewhere else. Yep. Focus on something where didn't go their way. Right. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, to me, fantasy football, or, you know, that person you talk to at work that just goes on and on and on about that TV show, you know, <laughs> yeah. or or they have to collect every single movie by this creator. Can I can I admit something to you? Mm-hmm. Probably not admitting it, but I can't stand going to work. And, you know, I work in a hub of technology. Yeah. There's so much technology to talk about that I know we don't know everything. And I know, like, everybody's their own individual expert about right. what drew them in technology. And there's still that jerk off who's going to sit there and bring up. Hey, did you check out boxing? <laughs> did you see the new hockey match last <laughs> right. night? And it's like, you know, I could be literally any job at that point. I always go, then to think, I passed up Target. You know what I'm saying? To be here. Like, I'm at such a lofty place. Still the same conversations. It, when I, nothing uh, yeah. changed. When I, was, when I was working at the previous place of employment that was an unnamed cell phone company, um, that was like all, all I ever heard about was sports. That was it. And I, I was like, we could be talking about, you know, things relevant to our job or... But why get to know you? I've noticed that too. And this is a little off topic, you know, I'll wind it back, I promise. Mm-hmm. But why get to know you when I can just, we could, I could generally, I just want to talk. That's how I, that's how I say people want to mash words at me. Right. They just want to rebound their own voice 
off of they should do a podcast for that but anyway they, uh, <laughs> you know they just want to talk about sports and they want to go on you know blah 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 you didn't see the big fight you didn't see the big game uh-huh. and to me i'm like you know i've been working with you for years and i've not i, I still don't know what your favorite place to eat is i have no clue who you are yeah yeah it, they're they're like easy topics to fill the void with pointless chatter Yep. But to never actually learn anything about the person that you're interacting with. I've been invited to some pretty stellar parties and occasions because I lied and just went along with the guy. <laughs> I just nodded my head. I've done this so many times when they're like, oh, yeah, hey, Bob, baseball game. Did you check out so-and-so batting over here? Me a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan? That depends. Oh, what's it depend on? Well, and usually still be wearing their team. Uh-huh. Or they've mentioned it already previously and, and forgot that I heard it. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I'm a Cubs fan. Oh, I knew it, Bobby. I knew it at a boy a Cubs fan. Or I'll be like, yeah, I'm a White Sox fan. Like, oh, yeah, awesome. We're having a White Sox party. I'm your boss. Show up at such and such time. I knew you were the guy to talk about. I knew you were the right fit for the job. I'll see you in a bit. And I'm sitting here going, this is retarded. <laughs> Now I'm going to go here, and then I go home, and what am I doing? I'm on the internet looking up names of dudes to know in White Sox, yeah. you know. Uh, what's a triple play? Should I give a crap? Oh, a foul ball. Is that an out? Is it not an out? Did the rules change? Where's the line? And then I show up to the party. What always happens? All of a sudden, they don't talk about baseball. They're talking about their life. Yo. It's like you. It's like that became the in to get to know them. Mm-hmm. because, and, and this is how shallow it is. I'm judging your like or dislike of one team. As to whether or not you can come learn where I live, speak to my wife, speak to my kids, <laughs> talk to my family, and now you're worth my right. time. And what that. does that have to do with fucking anything? Nothing. At all. Nothing. At all. <clears throat> it's <clears throat> fundamentally, you, you didn't participate in it. You didn't have anything to do with it. You don't get paid for it. They don't take your advice on it. Right. Literally, you live a, in a land of glee through the accomplishments of other people who don't know you <laughs> and who don't give a fuck about you at all. They don't particularly care. At all. They don't give a fuck. And it's universal. Any any sports team, and not to totally bag on sports, whatever. If that's your thing, do it. But if you like sports, fantastic. We happen to not. Right. So we have mics. You should be here. I right. Guess. This is not, you know... <laughs> You, you could you could offer a counter argument. Unfortunately, there isn't anyone here to do so. And also, there's not a counter argument because it's been so commercialized. Right. That's what it is. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's just something you latched onto and you liked it. Yeah. And I found out this is everybody. You liked it as a kid. You know a thing or two about it. It's easy to keep up with. Yep. And it's a it's a go to. That's all it is. Yep. You probably played some sports. Really wasn't very good at them, or at least not good enough to be professional. And you moved on and continued to find enjoyment in the accomplishments of other people. And that's which, cool. Which is fine. And why I want to bring that up is because just as fanatical as there are people in the sports, and we talked about it at length by now, there are equal fanatics when it comes to these nerd-like topics. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we can call ourselves, I mean, to some degree. I, I know in my childhood and youth and teen years and, and into my 20s and probably in my early 30s, I, I've been very apt to shit on people for either not liking what I like to the same degree I like it or not liking it enough. <laughs> and really, I found that the reason why I was less apt to... Let me take this back. 
I always, regardless if you liked what I liked or not, mm-hmm. I would find common ground. Yeah, well, you, you've always always been a very in- inclusionary person, if that's I even a real to, word. Because I know Inclusive. for a fact. Yes. I'm sorry. More often than not, I know that people are going to shortchange what I like and never give it a shot unless I open up and try what they like that I don't necessarily... Right. I may not have tried it, but I don't seem to have an interest in it. And then I, I'll check it out. I'll always check it out. No matter what the hobby is, I will pay time to check it out if there's a person, a fanatic about it, willing to walk me down that lane. Like, I know for a fact, uh, just my, my grandmother, uh, she liked gardening. She did. Mm-hmm. She handed me a book because I told her, I was like, what's, what's so great about it? I'm out in the sun. I'm sweating to death. I'm digging in this dirt. What's going on? She told me, she goes, well, Bobby, I just like to see stuff grow. I like to know that when I work the land... And I plant a seed that, you know, later on, I'll see it grow or it won't. And that's a great testament to whether I suck at it or not. Mm-hmm. She had a gift. She was quite good at it. You know, not every not every time was it amazing. Obviously, she had her, her fallbacks with it. But she had a book that she let me read and check out of how to plant a tomato plant and what you got to do with it. And why she found interest in that is because she came from an era where it was a bunch of do-it-yourselfers. Right. And that was a hobby she had. And she kept up with it. So by keeping up with it, and she liked people who were do-it-yourselfers. I watched it happen yep. all the time. And in conversation, if you mentioned that you worked on your own project at home, she talked to you a little bit about it. My grandmother was not a kiss-ass type person, but she'd be like, oh, that's fantastic. And then she'd say something comical like, well, you can come over and help me out with that over here then. You like your hobby so much, I too would like an additional building <laughs> made somewhere on my land down south, which is where she lived. Right. Uh, but it's that stuff that I think along with sports where I take all hobbies – to be nerd-dumb, nerd nerd-dumb, but to what degree? Right. Right? So, to make it back to more, I'd say, less preachy, <laughs> as it were, Nero, Nate, have you heard of it? Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't recall what it stands for, but I know it's an acronym of some kind. It's I don't, something... I've always heard it debated. I've heard people say it's one thing or another. Um, I do know I can describe to you what Nero is. So if you take Dungeons and Dragons, right, the fantasy setting, right, and you had people dress up, you know, LARP type fashion. So people, if they were a dark elf, they would wear the blue black paint or what have you, and they would get the pointy ears, and you know, it looks like like every day's Halloween basically. Mm-hmm. They would dress up as these different races and characters of fantasy, and then they would get foam weapons. Yep, yep, I remember those commercialized foam weapons, and they would go to a campsite. It's usually held over a weekend, right? Yep. And at this big camp out event, they, everything basically is in game until you were sleeping, until you were out out. And that's not necessarily true, but they would warn you if there was a potential for a night raid, right? Yep. Because then you would keep somebody to keep watch and whatnot. And then these game masters would portray the creatures, and they would come out with foam weapons, and they would try to look like the creature you're fighting. No matter yeah, they'd wear little people. little costumes or whatever, like a right. sheet over their head or something. Or five guys would represent the limbs of the Hydra. It, it yep. didn't matter. And then your group would have to go fight it. Now, why I found it funny is because Nero's not for everybody. No. Because that's an extreme, in my opinion, of that uh, tabletop to actual live action translation. And to me, it's an example. It doesn't translate well. No, I don't think it does at all. And the reason being is because I tried it. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to bring up something and say I don't like it. It's just, in, it's just not in me without saying I've tried it, and I have. I remember going out with Ryan, if you could recall. Yes, I do remember that. Ryan Forsberg. We went Ryan, Craig, I think, I don't remember if Joe Lilly was there or not. I thought he was. And we went to this Nero event. 
And they were all, you know, oh, you didn't bring your own weapon. We got to go here and get yours. And Ryan was like, well, your weapon's going to suck yeah. because you guys don't have your own. And real quick, Nero stands for the New England Role-Playing uh, Organization. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, carrying on. Uh, but we go and get these weapons, right? Now, now me, I'm 6'5", right? Have an incredible mm-hmm. reach. Yep. And they're like, oh, what are you going to use? Well, they had a short sword, which was basically maybe half my arm. And I was like, so I got to hit somebody with this? It's like, yeah. yeah, let me get your biggest, your longest weapon. And they're like, oh, well, we don't have a spear, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So they hand me what was supposed to be a two-handed bastard sword, uh-huh. which it had to have been like a nine-foot length weapon. <laughs> and I was perfectly fine with it. And I was like, somebody's supposed to try to hit me with this? It's like, yeah. Now, in the game, starting out brand new, your weapon is not magical. It's not going to do as much damage as everybody else's. Right. You have to call out the damage you're doing, right? Now, I wanted you to keep that in mind. Since the damage levels vary and it's based on experience, I'm just starting out. I basically have the equivalent damage weapon of a spoon, even though I'm an imposing guy and I have an imposing foam weapon. <laughs> they sent these goblins <laughs> off the bat. Like, we were just walking around the woods and we were walking and they attacked. And I immediately swung it like a bat and tattooed this guy in the head. I started beating him about the head. And I'm calling out my one point of damage, my one point of damage. I must have concussed this kid with this foam bat. He just, no one's ever hit him that hard. But nobody explained to me, you can't hit hard. Right, it's supposed one. to be a light touch. Yeah, Right, like- you can't hit hard, none of that. But this kid was pissed. It's like he walked up, and I guess we were supposed to be easy bait. Did not happen. And Ryan was laughing too hard. To try to tell me what because I wasn't originally I wasn't called out any damage. <laughs> they just walked up and I looked like I just tried to beat the shit out of this guy with a foam weapon. And you know, I felt bad, and you know, I, I learned the rules. I'm like, so let me get this straight. Uh-huh. Some guy's gonna run at me, and I have to tap him gently on the head and tell him two point, oh one point, a two point. I was like, no, the whole point of this is that I'm holding a lethal weapon. And I was like, and, and the added fact, the weapon I'm portraying, this great sword. Um, its damage wasn't that it sliced off anything. It was that it crushed bone. It pulped bone right, from people right. in armor. That's yep. its point. So I'm giving you a real effect when I waylay you about the head with it. <laughs> and when I have a nine-foot reach, your little two-dagger self shouldn't be running at me to do anything about it. And needless to say, I believe I got thrown out. <laughs> I believe I got thrown out. Like, I was literally, yeah, I was banned for the night, and I didn't want to stay there. It was 50 bucks to participate. Right. And when I was told, like, you can't play... I got rather upset. Now, yeah. I wasn't upset like throwing things. I was like, your game sucks anyway. It wasn't going to be fun. And it's the truth because I didn't see any fun in a game where it basically said, we're going to ignore the fact that this is unbalanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not going to care about it. And if you're playing a dude, basically, if you're playing, I, Conan was on my mind. Right. And that's how I was playing. And to me, that's a threat. Don't swing a twig at me when I got a full-fledged bat. Is what it comes down to. And they were like, well, we can't deal with your intensity. We can't deal with how you are. Right. And that's that. And then what is it? I got accused. I never forget this. The guy told me, you need to go back to football where you're from. <laughs> it's like, yeah, what do you want? What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I never did any of that. Um, there's a couple other ones. I, had, I, I think I'd mentioned it briefly, but I watched a documentary about one. I can't remember the name of the documentary for the life of me. But it reminded me immediately of that. From the stories I heard about Nero, it was kind of like a, a linear game. Like you go there, 
you're doing a quest or something, yep. and you go through, and then at the end of the quest, you win. Yeah, it's a series of quests. You can go, and that's the one far out thing. They'll give you a map, mm-hmm. and they've mapped out where all these encounters can happen. Uh-huh. They don't tell you what time or what have you. Right. So I can go to the northeast section of the woods where it's just, a, for everybody's namesake, just to get an idea, it's a place you would run out and cook. Right. You'd have a cookout with a family, like a little birthday party. Kids run around and play, and everybody sits down on these stone benches and relax. They would dress this place out to look like a swamp. And you would go there, and the goblins would attack. Right. Or whatever it is, and you had to deal with that. Meanwhile, they would have court back at camp. And here's where I think, really, the players went all out. Yeah. Because when we went to camp, we saw guys wearing Roman armor, actually made Roman armor. Yeah. They would be, people were working PVC pipes and the foam over them so that they wouldn't hurt when impact had. You know, that's you make your legal weaponry. Yep. I was watching it. I was fascinated by it. There were folks that were legitimately trying to do archery with Nerf, Nerf bow and arrow, <laughs> and getting those accounts, and I was laughing. Because to me, I was like, man, I remember that. And I used to, I, we never owned one. But the kid in the neighborhood, I would always steal his and try to hit him with yeah. it in his house. It's just what I did. Yeah, I remember um, uh, one of the guys in my gaming group, uh, his brother did Nero. And it's actually an odd, weird connection um, with Tony and Joe. Because Tony and Joe knew him, but I never knew <laughs> this guy knew them. Like, it was a weird connection. But I remember, uh, after I strayed off topic, I remember this guy, like, sitting at home for hours making chain mail. Just... Oh yeah, with 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 wire and clipping and bending and chaining and da 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 da, and I just was like, for what? That chaining, they would take each individual ring, which is maybe the size of a dime, you know, on the diameter. Yeah, know? and they would take that ring and they would have to bend it around another ring, and that's like one of like ten thousand yep. pieces. Yeah, they they're literally on. making chainmail by making their own chainmail. Oh yeah, and and. You know, for as as anal as I am about, you know, obsessing over things, I've never been that obsessed about a fucking thing. Well, I am not making chain mail. Yeah. It's obsession of a different type, right? Right, right. They are not necessarily high end on uh, the creativity in terms of writing creativity. Right. Using their words, but they're creative when they make something. Right. And that's the two different, two different minds, yep, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's the same. It's the same. It's two different branches off the same tree. Oh, yeah. And I was always fascinated by it. Like, they had that Ren Fair. Yeah. Don't forget Renfair. Yeah. Right? Which basically everything we've just said about Nero still have the campground, but they erect a medieval city. Right. Right? It's an actual organization that comes out, and they set up tents and places uh, where you, you can go and shop and purchase leather armor made by the owner of the shop who's standing in it. Right. Full leather armor for you, or you can commission them, legitimately medieval-style commission them, i.e., Pay me half an hour, whatever the deal is. And yep. Later on, we'll get the rest. You get the goods uh, to your style and make. Yeah, I've never, I've never been to a Renaissance fair. I, I've never been a big fan of like the fantasy stuff. You know what I mean? I did see some pictures though. Little cool side note: there's a there's a person that I follow on Instagram, and they they're from Chicago and they make art and right. like it's a like a goth person. Like they do like uh, you know like neo futuristic oh, yeah. goth stuff. And uh, they dressed up as as futuristic time traveling space pirates, <laughs> and went to Nero. And I was like, "That's pretty fucking creative. That's pretty fucking creative." Like they they went there with the intent of pretending they came from the future. That's cool. I can't can't get down on you about that. So, it's interesting little side note. But 
you know, it, people making their own costumes. I remember like when we when we did the live action role playing thing, costuming was a big deal, and it and it is a big deal because it allows you to get into character. You know, yourself. I, right? You're not yourself, and I mean, if you look at at movies, like look at Freddy Krueger, how much easier would it would it have had to have been for the character, or for the actor rather, to portray that character? Robert England is who we're talking about. Right. And he would not take off his mask to eat. Right. He, w- he wouldn't take it off taking normal photos during downtime. Like if they were rehearsing lines, he would do it in makeup. Right. He was forever that, and but that's how people fell in love with that character too. Yeah. He was always Freddy Krueger when yeah. he had the mask on. Yeah. One of my favorite characters um, that I played in your vampire game, and this is completely side note, so you can skip ahead a minute or two if you want, but one of the favorite characters I ever played in your game was the guy that was like the decaying corpse. And, you know, I I went out and got clothes. What was his name? Dr. Dr. Ypres. Yeah, Ypres. Which I stole from a death metal band. That's a guy's name in a death metal band. His last name is Ypres. And I thought it was a cool-ass name I had never heard before, so I adapted it. And it was this guy that had no no real human connection, nothing. So, you know, me, I'm a very emotional guy. This guy had no emotions. Right, and it was, it was frightening. I mean, you really, I can't let you tell that. I remember as a storyteller sitting back and watching you interact in the scene, and I did this a lot as a storyteller. I would take me out of the equation entirely and just observe people in character. And whenever you played this Epri character, I would watch people give you about six foot of space. Folks didn't want to discuss things in a room when you were there. It's how I would imagine people would react to Hannibal Lecter standing in the room and they realized it was Hannibal Lecter by his voice alone. Not saying they're in the same caliber because Ypres was a doctor. Yeah. And you did a lot of research into knowing what a truncheon is and yeah. how to embalm somebody and to right. talk to somebody about it. And when I listen to you talk to characters, I watch people fight to have to speak to you. They knew they had to. Yep. They knew they had to interact with you, but there was definitely a level of fear. Right. It wasn't just cool now to be by Nate. It was Nate without any emotion, completely neutral, and monotone. Right. And you have one of those voices, man, where it's it's a powerful voice with the emotion there. Imagine with a not there. Yep. The emotion's gone, and it's just monotone. It's like a haunting. It's like a real life yeah. haunting. And it was a privilege to watch. It, it was, and it was a. Uh, it required a lot of work on my part because you know I am a pretty emotional guy. You know I, I'm reactionary. You know if if you do something that makes me mad, I'm I'm instantly reacting. You know I'm I'm loud and I'm moving my arms and my hands. I'm doing it right now. Right. But with that guy, I had to train myself to just stay at an even keel. Nothing made me mad. Nothing made me angry. It's just things were or they were not <laughs> you know right. and and that's really difficult for someone who is an emotional guy but it was so much fucking fun and it was it was made easier by having a costume yep you know painting my face and wearing these clothes that i wouldn't normally wear and you know which is like a doctor's smock right you had, right you had- I, I i wore like a doctor's jacket and and then I, I i it was weird i would wear like a lot of weird goth clothes that weren't mine i'd borrow them from other people and so i'd wear like real tight like strappy pants and shit and like gloves and i don't ever wear gloves right and you know just like i i tried to create this identity for this guy that was a little bit you know, his appearance was somewhat like, oh, maybe he's, but then he's not, you know, what, what the fuck is going on with that guy? But really painting my face, being able to look and, you know, paint that image, whatever it was that I was trying to go for, 
it, it, you know, it does something to you. It changes, it helps you to change the way that you react. There's a level of prestige that comes with this as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean the prestige as in showmanship. Uh-huh. When you get all decked out and you go to portray a character, that is all anyone is ever going to see. Right. But I notice every time this was done on my half, especially from my perspective, and even watching others, the, you were seen as majestic. Where people want to stop what they're doing and hang on your every word because you got you got dressed for the occasion. Right. And they want to know who that guy is. Who is he portraying? And when they find out what character it is, there are many different reactions. You had the people who would laugh and walk over and just try to downplay who you are and this is an old friend because uh-huh. they were nervous. I would always note that person because you rocked them, right? You got them out right. of your game. Right. Then there's those people who would just hang on your every word. They would walk up there and like a sycophant would just stand there and macaw what you're saying. They're into what you're into when normally that person wouldn't say anything at all. Yeah. It's just you're a face in the crowd. And when you stand out like that, I th- why I mention this, the same thing happens at Renfair. Yeah. Right? The same thing happens in Nero. The best dressed are the ones who are going to get that attention. Yep. Because they're not themselves. Right. And that personality that they're portraying shines through and it's so bright. Right. Because you're seeing the effort. Yep. Absolutely. Always seeing the effort. And that's another aspect of that obsession, that wanting to do whatever your hobby is and wanting to be the best at it and being obsessed with, you know, collecting little artifacts or little things, little little mannerisms, you know, that, that was always my favorite part about playing in a live, live action game was you would, you would devise a character. You'd devise it out of thin air or you'd devise it from a concept that you saw in a movie or something, and that's fine. You know, you're not, nobody's judging you based you know like i want to play a guy like blade all right great so you have that archetype that concept now you have to take that and you have to make it your own so you have to build on it you have to put little additions onto your house and find you know a ring that you always wear or a necklace that you always wear something that that makes you stick out as not just being a one-dimensional you know blade vampire hunter ripoff you know and people that went above and beyond that actually got into that, those are the people I miss interacting with because they were always the best people. Do you think you could think of a concept based on a single item that's brought up right now? Oh, absolutely. I could do it. So, I could do it. I, I don't, not to like jerk myself off here or toot my own horn, but I, I, have, I am very skilled at, at writing cues. Yep. And, you know, a writing cue is just like, here's a sentence. Now write a short story about it. I, I definitely have that ability. You know, and I could do it with, you know, maybe not like the fucking Dasani water bottle. You're probably not going to get much. But, you know, basically anything, yeah, I could come up with something interesting and, and unique and, and entertaining. And that skill comes from, in my opinion, having to make up so many characters. Yep. Having to utilize an imagination so often. Yep. And like I said, it was one time, four or five times a week. Yeah. Uh, it was always every weekend. And when it got to weekdays, that's when things got excessive. <laughs> I think the whole community realized just how excessive it got. Yeah. And uh, that's when things had to... Well, I don't, I don't even think that they had to die down. They just did. Right. It's like you can only have that fever for so long. Right. You know, once you start getting a job and you get, you know, a lot of, a lot of people... It was weird. And I, I, I was thinking about this the other day. That that time and that place, I don't think that that exists anymore. When we were in our like early 20s, late teens. You had a lot that came together. Yep. But I think most was the fact that that age range, uh-huh. 
it wasn't weird to have a bunch of high schoolers hanging out with a bunch of 13, 14 year olds. Right. Be at a park. Right. It's a park. They can be there. But a 13 and 14 year old can grasp the game. Yep. The high schoolers definitely can grasp the game. And anyone in between can. Yep. And then you had that older crowd who were nerds. Yep. You know, as well. Had the hobby, heard about it. Right. They showed up. And that is why you had such a vast network pulling from several different school systems. Yep. All in this area that would all flock out to an easy centralized location. Yeah, that Vampire the Masquerade was huge in this area. It oh, was yeah. huge in this area. And it was huge for a long time, too. It wasn't just like a year of, you know, poof, you know, flash in the pan. This was... When I got involved, you know, I was 16 years old and it was like that probably until I was, I would say like 24, yep, maybe 25. So, you know, for like nine years, eight or nine years while I was playing, I don't know what was going on beforehand. You know, I'm sure people were playing for a while before I started. Yes. And then it just kind of, whoosh. I could tell you since 2000. Yeah, at least, yeah. And, and I, I had met people that had played since 97, like whatever, you know, had played. I, I played, I started in 97, actually. I was 16 years old the first time I went to a live action game. I could tell you where it was at. I could tell you who ran it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the first time I played. And I remember because I, I, I've mentioned this to you before. I was working at the amusement park and I'd met all the people there that, played and i was curious about what they did and that's when i went but you know all these people had been playing for you know at least a couple years before i was there right and then when i started there were there were people that were what at the time i would have considered old in their 30s playing you know so but that community at least here in our area seems to have completely vanished i could tell you one of the scarier moments when that started off it was a 90 97 I was still in college, and I remember going to this little truck stop called the Flying J. And I was with my fraternity, Phi Lambda Chi, my uh, Phi Lambda brothers. And we were sitting at this table. There was like, must have been 12 of us. Sitting down at our usual, like hanging out, getting a meal before we all go back to campus and whatnot. Right. This is in Russell, or excuse me, at the time we were in Little Rock at this point. And I were in between Russellville and Little Rock, I forget which one. But uh, I remember a whole table of goths. I know what they are now. They were just gamers. Yeah. But it was a goth table, all dressed out. Yep. And we're talking, this is Arkansas. And it's 97. They didn't have years to call about where people got used to it, knew what was going on. They might as well just be Satanists. <laughs> and to tell you what my brothers were telling me, they were sitting there letting me know that, you know, hey, Bob, don't, don't look them in the eye, you know, don't, don't cause flack, blah, 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 blah. You don't know what they're up to. You know, they're all dressed weird with bladed collars and, and crap like that. And they had all these green books with a rose on it, uh-huh. which is funny because it's the same book I had sitting on my shelf in my room, <laughs> right? That I've right. been reading left and right. And I remember walking up to the guy who was oh so scary, and and I had to. Everybody had this fear of not knowing who they were, and they were we were calling them freaks. So yeah, not at the I, I've been in that group before, so I understand what you're saying. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they saw my fraternity shirt, and they had misgivings, right? We were the frat guys, you know, we're sitting of course. over in the corner, and we're up to no good, and blah, blah, blah. And I remember talking to him, and I was like, what's, what's that book? You know, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're just getting back from a thing we went and did. Which, that thing they went and did was they went and role-played, and they're getting a meal right. together now that it's done. And which is the, which is the tradition? And one of them actually called himself Prince. He was the <laughs> Prince or just Prince, right? And he had four girls fawning all over him, 
And he was sitting by himself and they had to buy him a meal and they had sat accordingly and like holding court right where he was. And I had this guy just explain it to me. And one of them very candidly was like, look, man, you should probably go back to your own. Now, you know me, I'm mixed. Right. So I was like, go back to my own. What are you trying to tell me? And he was like, oh, I didn't mean any offense, but like, you know, you're kind of interrupting what we had going on. I was like, I'm interrupting your meal. No offense. Okay. I go back and sit down, and I remember one of my, his name's Travis, I won't give his last name to keep it on the level. Travis was a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. So he's the first, of course, to walk up to me. He's like, you know, Bob, we need to go, we need to go have a chat. <laughs> we need to go have a chat with a man who wears earrings and that woman-looking guy over there in the corner with all the black makeup on and everything. It's right. like, nah, man, they're just, they're literally having game. And I ended up explaining over an hour what these guys were doing, and I had my fraternity brothers interested in playing the game. Right. Not with them. Right, but, but just playing in general. Asking me to run it for them. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, that sounds pretty cool. We could do it, but not with those freaks. Right. No, absolutely. If you have someone articulate explain to you the concepts of a game, you'll find most people would find it interesting. Yeah. I, I think that the the problem was always that either, you know, it wasn't it wasn't generated for a mass market audience. <laughs> you know, there are gamers, there are geeks. Look at who, photos of Mark Ryan Hagen. Yeah, yeah. All right, who thought of this in one in his garage? Yeah, I Vampire, think so. Yeah, they, there's a and, and, I, and I, I believe in Georgia, or it could have been Arkansas, one or the other. But anyway, some small little southern town, you know, made it in his fucking no, house. Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yeah, or that's where they ended up anyway. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it it he just you know guy made a game, got some other people to help him make a game, and. You know, it's it went out. I think that there was something very specific about that time and that place. You know what I mean? Like it appealed to that culture as it came up. Because you know, like you said, you you'd see the, the I I still if I go to like an IHOP late at night or I go to a Denny's late at night, I instinctually try to find the crew. The crew. The, right. You know, not my crew right. necessarily, but I look for. There's got to be some some old goth kids or some new goth kids somewhere hanging out at a Denny's or hanging out at an IHOP or whatever <laughs> late night diner it is, post game or whatever, you know, because we, you, you know, there was a time where I, I was just like, oh, who are those people? And then I became one of those people right. unwittingly and then sort of was no longer one of those people, but would look at a group of them and go... Ah, yes, those days. How weird was it, you know? Well, it's hard not to sit there and think about, you know, what their lives are. It was very chaotic. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, especially getting that involved, getting so involved in the vampire that you're just letting your clothing, you know, the hobby dictate how your style of yeah. who you are. I think that's because that LARP, those games allow you to explore yourself safely, mm-hmm. find out who you are, the aspects of your personality that are going to make you up. And is this going to be you for the rest of your life? You know, some, some people don't pull out of it. It's it's weird too because like finding all those old pictures, it brought up a lot of memories and it brought up a lot of things in my mind where you know we've been talking about it. That culture, even that culture, had weird multifacets. Had weird like you had tiers of people. You know what I mean? Like yep. little interactions and people that because like where I came from, we brought a lot of fucking people. You know, we started cultivating like just people on people on people. And, you know, they a lot of these people that we would bring, they would have these way exaggerated opinions 
of people, you know, you have your storytelling staff and your narrators and those people are in a, a position of power in that game. You know, they're there to set the story and run scenes with you and, and interact with you. But it's like they're, whether it's real or not, they seem to be elevated. Right. And, you know, I remember all these people that were, you know, three, four years younger than me that just had like these over the top opinions of all these other people. And I'm like, dude, that guy doesn't have a job. Right. Like, what do you like? He's, you know, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's culturally it's it, when you have that many people you develops into this whole new thing you know this whole it like mushrooms into its own sort of living breathing civilization it's weird goths were like at that point were like dark hippies yeah who, who just you know the patchouli smell was still there and, and you know a lot of them <laughs> a lot of them too like this is one thing that I noticed that there were like the real goths and I don't think real goths really ever even played vampire. I mean, there was probably a few. Oh, no. But then, were, that, were you talking about the ones who go to Neo? Oh, yeah. Or whatever those, well, whatever those city, people right? are. I don't know anything about that subculture or that subgenre of people, so I'll just leave them alone. But you had a lot of people who were like just normal, you know, pants and shirt every day of the week and then they would go to vampire and that's when they would bust out all their goth gear and their big boots and their and their big fucking you gotta remember though a lot of those people doubled into the genre that you didn't want to dip into right a lot of the city life and going to the clubs that are in chicago right yeah where you had you know you know a lot about this industrial house music whatever I, I was, how. if anything, I was ever like a fringe to it. You know, I've right, always but you attended an event in the city. Yeah, I've been, I've been to a few of them. Right? Yes, and you know what those are like. They're, yeah, it's the same thing though. Those same people played vampire. Some of them did, yeah. Yeah, quite a few, and those yeah. that didn't were artists in their field. Yeah, you know, trying to trying mm -hmm. to make it. They were literally trying to make it and keep that that uh. They, there were a lot. There were a lot of people that looked upon like Vampire the Masquerade players in that at least from my experience. And like I said, I don't feel I'm an expert by any means, but I I was saw that generally speaking, those like legitimate goth people would always look down on people that played vampire as if like they were silly. But they, then you had, but then you had people I won't name, but you know who I'm talking about. The older gamers that were involved in that, that somehow defied that. So it was weird. It was like, it was very clicky. That was a whole a other defiance. click. It's not even a defiance. It's right. A group not wanting a, a, that, that whole dark goth thing, we'll call them gamer goths and music goths. Sure. Okay? So the music goths, again, it's their hobby was music. Right. And if you didn't know their music, what are you doing dressing like them and talking about them? Right. Right. It's like you're standing here living off of their dime. Right. That's how they felt. Gamers did it too. Gamer yeah. Goths, yeah. If you were a music goth and you came over to just attend game. Right. Just because everybody dressed, you want to see the hubbub. Yep. And you want to come in and bring your, your ways. It very wasn't gonna work. right. Very often, I I had heard if you're just here to watch, then go the fuck away. Right. And you know, and I've heard it uttered. I've uttered it. You know, we. I'm a massive proponent of it because speaking from a storyteller, one who had to run the event, I cannot have the suspension of disbelief from my audience right. broken up because little Susie Dark Skirt <laughs> decides she wants to show up and shake her tail, or Sammy Dark pants you know right or whatever and they're here to try to draw to, to be a cult of personality over here because it didn't work out for them among their other friends yeah they're nobody over there right or, or they heard from so-and-so from you know pat the goth guy right they heard that it was cool and to me take all that drama and throw it out the window right 
at the end of the day, you cannot take yourself seriously wearing a dark skirt, shaving half your head, dyeing your head pink, or having a mohawk combed over the side, or whatever it is you chose to do. I think some people can, but, but they shouldn't. Right. That's my point. That, that's exactly my point. There is right. something off right. when you decide that's who you are. It is okay, but there's a... The lead singer of Cruciform Injection, um, I only mention that because they're, they're a band local, uh-huh. right? And they're, they're an awesome band. Like, check out a couple of their songs, especially for what they do. Most level-headed, coolest guy I ever met. And I won't because I didn't ask his permission to mention any of this. So I won't, like, drop that bomb. Uh, but when I met him, I remember talking to him. He's a real dude. Mm-hmm. He's just a guy. And, like, yes, he has a lot of uh, his successes are his hobbies, Right. And his hobbies have taken care of him. Right. You know, works for a gaming company, um, works, owns his own band, owns his own label. So that became a lifestyle. But at the same time, dude's not sitting around in his house with webbing everywhere. Eeyore didn't answer the door. Of course. And, and Tisha Adams isn't strolling in doing, you know what I mean? Right. Normal dude. Of course. Cool dude. That is a guy who is not caught up in himself. But then you'll see those other people. Who are? I've, I've met a few. I, I, again, I will not name names. And and not that I think they'd ever hear this, but, you know. Right. That's We're not <clears throat> very wisely. But the whole point to bring it back, why still consider even those subgroups and genres and all that other stuff? We are not unique in that. No. Like you said, there are people who are deep into uh, music yep. who will dress the style. For instance, Country Thunder. Yep. Right? Just to bring up a topic, right? Festival yep. to come enjoy country music. And there's a whole style of clothing people wear yep. that they don't necessarily wear when they're at home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you get dressed up for the part right. to go and have a good time. Right, it's because, because occasionally they let loose. Yep. Their, their hobbies are not to the extreme as some other people's hobbies. Exactly. You know, and I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. What I do say, though, in defense of that, if you're just going to watch, then go the fuck home. Yep. I, here's my defense to that. Would you ever just sit and watch four people play Monopoly? No. Would you ever just sit and watch a bunch of people play Scrabble? Then why the fuck would you stand around and watch people play vampire? Well, Either know, participate or don't. You I didn't know? think that it had to be defended. No, as, I as I just I had an idea and I wanted to. Oh right. <laughs> I wanted to touch on it, but you know, there's a lot of people though where when you have folks come up like that, and this is me being like you said, I'm open minded when it comes to that. A lot of people give this I'm opinionated check. Everybody is. Everybody mm-hmm. has an opinion. Whether or not they have the spine to let you know what that opinion is, that's on them. Yep. I am a person who's not afraid of it. I'm cool with admitting I'm wrong. I'm also cool with, hey, I see you standing there. Let me invite you to come over yeah. and explain what's going on and get you involved. See, because you're a very accepting person. When you shine me on, though, mm-hmm. when you literally blow sunshine out my rear end, I, I the, the worm turns. Right. I lose it. I, I verbally lost it on people before because I saw them just sitting there passing judgment and being very rude. To folks who are having a good time. Right. Or, or saying things under their breath or, you know, just there to be a dick. And I can't stand that about anything. No, I, I don't like it either. When it comes to nerd culture, period, if people like uh, superhero movies, which is all the rage right now. Yep. Everybody in the world's watching superhero movies, no matter who you are. And you find your reasons to like them or not. You know, and I notice that there are people who still, still will sit there and just be like, yeah, well, you know, if you're into that kid stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> if I'm into that kid stuff? Yeah, What right. do you do? Bro, I'm into cars. Oh, you're into cars. So the the mom mobile you have outside? <laughs> you know, the SUV, you got to cart around because you got a wife and kids and they got events to go to? Right. Hey, listen, buddy, 
I know what a carburetor is. I know how to change my own oil. That's fantastic, but you're not a mechanic. No. You know, that's that's a hobby you have. It's like, yeah, how is your hobby any greater or less? Well, because mine serves a purpose. Oh, really? What's that purpose? It can make money. Seems to me Marvel's doing just fine. (laughs) Yes, they're making quite a bit of money, actually. Hand over fist. Yes. And that's the thing that I honestly know that socially is bugging people. It used to be old hat to make fun of folks. You're not in anything that makes money. Okay, well, what you're into or what nowadays, what you said made money doesn't make money. Yeah. Right? And that's a testament to just how the world is. Yep. You know? Shit has changed. So I think that's the fluctuation, you know, where it comes from. Let me ask you to follow my agenda here briefly. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the best or the worst of nerd culture? Like, what are the best aspects of it? What are the, the worst aspects of it? Just you want to go tit for tat or do you want to just go Whatever, just free form. All right, the best aspects of nerd culture, I think, are this. It teaches you who you are, lets you find yourself in a safe environment, pulls you away from all the BS. Normally, growing up as a kid, you would fall into pitfall-wise. Yep. Uh, stuff like drugs, alcohol, to excess. Not that you didn't take them, but they were not done as the sole focus of an everyday life uh, to defeat boredom. I think it taught you, I know it taught you, how to handle thoughts on your feet. Think on your feet. The ability to handle any given social situation and either A, take the drama out of it by knowing when to walk away, or to intelligently engage in it without letting your emotions go to excess, to go wild. Right. And most importantly, it taught you how to have fun. With a very much diverse group of people. Yeah. And I, how to, how to uh, get to know them. I would agree with that. I think that the the amount of people I've met from so, so many varied walks of life in all the different types of gaming that we've done, you know, whether you go from video games or you go to a convention or, you know, you just go out and, and meet gamers at a game store. Yep. So many different types of people, you know, it, it really, for the, for the, you know, the uninitiated, it would blow your mind. You know, we've met everybody from, you know, wealthier, wealthier, you know, uh, people that work in corporate positions. I have a couple people I was friends with that made well over six figures uh, in their field easily. And then you meet the random homeless guy. Correct. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> right. that every type of person. Like, I know when I was younger, there were plenty of times where I met people that were like, terminal couch surfers and you know now we're getting into the actually let's keep it the best like i think the number one point is when you're in high school when you're mm-hmm. a kid you learn dominance dominance games i'm better than you because right of, you learn how to keep up with the joneses right right in gaming you realize everybody starts off just being themselves yep no matter what game you play we all start at level one right we all got to struggle to get what we get and teamwork it's an environment yep. right Yep. No matter what you did, there was something of teamwork to it. Yep. And it was cool that you were with somebody not as powerful as you or somebody who is better than you, but they're willing to have that conversation with you and it doesn't make them better. They just had a good time. Right. And, and played and, longer. And nine times out of 10, you needed to cooperate with your community right. to accomplish whatever it was that you were trying to accomplish. There was no judgment. Yep. And so it made a very much more less dramatic environment. Whereas I'll never forget it. Hanging out with, well, as a quote-unquote jock, which it was tentative yep. that I had that title at school. Then it was, you know, the skater crowd and whatever. I was sort of the catch-all. 
And I noticed how everybody tried to beat everybody else with who had the hottest weekend parties. Right. Well, I was the horror film guy where every weekend I would invite six to eight people to come out and watch these horror films. Well, six to eight turned into 16, 24 to my mom killing it because I was, you know, people would go back and they would talk. Yep. That's it. That's done. You know, Bob's, you know, you got this cool food. It's good horror films to watch everything. I, when I was pulling people from other high schools, in the area, I think that's when my mother was like, yeah, yeah no. We're going to put the kibosh on that. We don't, yeah. we don't have an 82-inch screen TV to have everybody on and whatever, so we're done. Right. We're done, we're done. But it let me know that, you know, I'm King Social, right? It was there. But I liked how these people could not lord anything over another. That wasn't, was it, that's not what it was about. Right. And I think later in life, because we had that indoctrination into quote-unquote nerd culture, let me just say it. We were accepted somewhere. Yeah, we you know you're not accepted as a jock just because you play sports. You're not accepted. That's just the entry level. Now that you're here and you play a sport, how rich is your family? What's your five year plan? What's your ten year plan? <laughs> let's 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 compete in life. Right, right. And it's like no offense, pal. I'm 15. You know, we'll, we'll compete later on when I'm out and got shot. I, I, I look at okay. it the same way now. No offense, dude. I'm 34. I don't need to be talking to you about what I'm doing in fucking 10 years. You know, go the fuck away. But and yeah. It, uh, that's what I mean. That's like one of those. It's the it's the best thing because we don't have to bring that stress up. Right. You shouldn't care. We're talking about a hobby. Why are you caring where I work and where I come from when we're just sharing thoughts and ideas of a passion and right. a shared one? Right. It's all that matters. Yep. So it gets to the worst aspects though. Talking about how good it is, you started talking about couch surfers. Yeah. Yeah. There, I, I recall specifically that there were a lot of people in and around the gaming community at least back then that had a tendency to use other people to sometimes steal from other people to take advantage of other people's kindness to you know so on and so on yep with any kind of subculture you're gonna find people who cling to that subculture and use it as a, a focal point for their specific type of drama. And that's, I think that's any culture. Yeah, absolutely. Any culture. I'm sure, I'm sure that all cultures have that. A, a, a degree of, of politicking, of uh, I'm better than this person, or I'm going to talk bad about this person. or Ooh, I got a, got a good one. Uh -huh. I remember starting off in this area in the heyday of Vampire, right? Right. Didn't know anything. It was a Brandon Wood. Uh, this guy named Mike Matthews, whatnot. They bring me in and don't explain to me the importance level of these people. Now, you got to understand, <laughs> an actor is very confident. Yeah. Very confident who they are. And they're all amateur actors, every one of them. So when I'm talking to them out of game, game's not on. It was explained to me, and I read it in my little green rule book, that vampire on it. Before game starts, get to know everybody. Just talk and have a good time. Try to know the ropes. But in game... Once game is on, that is you or that character, and it doesn't end until, you know, pre is called and then post is called. Okay. Now, this is pre. This is two hours before pre. I'm in downtown Naperville, and we're sitting outside of a Burger King. You know, we grabbed a little dinner, and we're all just chatting. And I noticed that this uh, guy, and let me just describe him, he had long blonde hair where the tips were dyed black, uh -huh. right? very thin, I'd say he's about six foot, very high cheekbones. He was a good-looking he-she, as I will put it. Like, you know, he was, a, he was beautiful. 
not not a good looking guy. He was a beautiful person. Uh-huh. We'll put it that way. But where he was sitting, he had like two or three girls by him just chatting up and whatever in his hair and everything else. And he seemed bored and disinterested. And there was two or three guys by him that looked, you know, they were jock-esque. But we're just hanging out like, bro, hey, you want this? You want that? He didn't lift a finger. He didn't get right. to refill a soda. He didn't have to grab his burger. He didn't pay for anything. He didn't have to do anything. I find out later on, this guy plays the city, I think it was City Harpy or uh-huh. whatever, which might as well be the vampiric equivalent of a town crier. Yep. But since he knew everything, he's being doted on by these people left and right. Mm-hmm. And this is out of game and in game. He also lived with a girl, didn't pay rent, it's not his girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Left his parents and chose this lifestyle because people will care for him. Right. Because he found out if you're good looking and in this subculture, he can manipulate these things. Right. Now, nobody ever told me this. So all I see, that's one example of how intimidating it was, right? How do I get in with a guy like that? And it's kind of terrifying. Right. I'm not going to jump around, dress black, and spend my last dime to feed him. I got to feed me. You're right. F this guy. Right? And plus, I'll admit it, I came from down south and, you know, no offense, we didn't, men were men. We didn't try to blur the line. You know what I'm saying? I like to think that's commonality, but that's... That's not me being homophobic. That's just, you know, a different way of thinking. Right. I calmed down on all that, but the fact is, is that when I was first there that night, that was one aspect. You also had the dominating super, we'll just call it the super bitch, uh-huh. right? She's completely gorgeous, got out, dressed to the nines, and is walking around barking orders at me. Who the hell are you to talk to him? You're due over here. You know so-and-so's looking for you? What am I going to do with you? You're a sloppy mess. Who brought you here? How are you? What the hell is going on? <laughs> right. right? And it's like I'm following this girl who's maybe six, you know, I'm not even six foot tall, maybe with the four foot boots that she got from the inner city goth store. Right. But, you know, I'm like walking around this place and she's hot. And in my head, I'm like, well, we'll do what the hot girl wants you to do. It's no big deal. That was one week, but I was hooked. Right. I saw all sorts of cults of personality and, and different levels of importance. And, you know, apparently black eyeliner goes a long way and, <laughs> and all this other stuff. And I need to bring extra cash so I can doll up a girl. I can I can possibly get laid off to pretending to be a vampire on the weekends. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's make this happen. Consequently, I got to make sure to check the, you know... I didn't know if it was a girl or a girl or guy sometimes. All right. You had to be sure is what it came down to. And I say all that, believe it or not, I'm not exaggerating a thing. That's, that's testimony. That's stuff that happened. Yeah. And when you think of somebody new coming in a game, I vowed right then, I guess you should say, that anybody who's coming in new to a hobby that I'm a part of, they're going to meet me normally. Yep. You know, I'm not going to jump in both feet and scare them. Somebody has to sit on the gate. And let the what we call the mundanes yeah. know the difference between them and the extremists. Right. Or you're not going to have a hobby. You know, you're just going to have <sighs> people who eventually get old and die, and there it goes because no one else can get a word in edgewise. Well, I, I remember when I first started doing like the live action thing and was interacting with those large games. It probably took like nine months before I ever really felt comfortable at one of those games <laughs> because I didn't know anybody, and and like you said, that it was very exclusive. There were these people that were like, they were important, apparently. And then there was, right. And then there was everybody else. And, you know, I was like, you know, I come from a mentality of, oh, yeah, fuck you. That was very much my mentality 
forever growing up that's how it was it, that's how i was raised i was born and bred that way i've only and, seen you humbled i'm sorry go ahead and and but you know to to finish the story up it took so long because i saw these people and i was like you ain't shit <laughs> so you know i would go out of my way to fuck with their program that didn't make friends that didn't make friends in game or out of game right and it was a long time before i actually started to like meet people and communicate with them on a regular level to where they were like oh okay well you're not so bad then uh you can be important a little bit now too you know like right. you know what i mean like like i don't give a shit about that i'm here to have fun and play a game i understand the point of the game i just don't understand all of you and perceptions were different I remember mm-hmm. first meeting you at game, and when you came out there, that every you had this rep. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was your own friends who were spreading the rep. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, and that's that's what blew my fucking mind. You know that you were this dude who was here to ruin the game. You're here to ruin everybody's fun. You know, don't trust him. He's violent. You know, <laughs> Nato, don't don't test Nate. He'll get in your face. And all I kept thinking, and when I saw you, here's this guy with a shaved head, literally looks like a dude from American History X. And I was like, we're gonna have a fallout, and it's gonna happen soon. Because because why? Fuck this guy. Right. You know, I'm here with these people. Have a good time. He's here to ruin it. Well, we're gonna be opposites. Then I remember encountering you, and I'm running a scene, and you were there. And I, as a player, you approached me. Yeah. You're like, here's what I want to play, and it was some of the best reading I ever had. It was research, well thought out, what you wanted to try, what you wanted to do, who you're going to be, what are you going to dress up as. You were super polite, very respectful. You were nothing like what they had hyped <laughs> right. you up as. You were nothing like that. <laughs> and then I got bombarded with, Bob, how'd you do it? Like, he's completely calm. He's, like, quiet. He's, you know, whatever. They're backpedaling. And I'm like, why are you backpedaling? Like, what, what had happened in other games? And then I started talking to people at other games where folks tried to hit you with, you know, you need to do what I say. I'm better than you. And you didn't immediately challenge them. You just turned around and manipulated to get their character killed. Right, absolutely. Is what you did. Immediately they had made an enemy and didn't know it. And, you know, that that's that. It was their downfall. But they hated you. Yeah, yeah. They hated you. Right. And that's another bad thing about this. That you can go to a live-action role-playing game and these people don't ever know you. Yeah. In real life, they learn who your character is. Yes, absolutely. And how you portray that. And nine times out of ten, it's vampire. I'm not playing a happy-go-lucky person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What would be the point of that? So there you go. And so if you're going to know me as Bob with the worst traits I'm highlighting in human nature, and I'm there portraying a character that is dark, that is domineering, that is tyrannical, that's going to challenge you and might ultimately kill you right there even, just because you're going to see me as that in real life. Yep. And the people that end up being my friends are the ones who were like, that's not Bob at all. Right. You know, it's not him out of game. He's an aggressive guy. He's a passionate guy, but he's, you know, that's no. Right. He's not going to stab you right. for. To, to make that effort to go, oh, I wonder what that guy's like, you know, outside of this. Like, maybe have a conversation with him. The same thing happened to you. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is those things. Case in point, when it comes to, when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, right? And you and I, I, I remember. Many a night going to a game and sitting down and there was maybe two dudes mm-hmm. who were completely obsessed with Dungeons and Dragons. And then I would watch you just sort of paying lip service. <laughs> I'm here with this character. Great. I stab people. I sneak around and yeah. do stuff. Great. Yeah. And it, it always reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors, which I believe was number three. Mm-hmm. It's two or three. Uh-huh. But I, I definitely, it's when I ever felt that maybe gaming was ridiculous. <laughs> 
But then it was humorous to watch, you know, these guys really try to sell home their brand and their style. And, you know, because their hallmark was Nate plays this game and it's legitimate. <laughs> and it took me a while to realize that all these people, these poor bastards, and, you know, had propped you up and you didn't know about it. Yeah, no. They used uh, you as an idol of Romeo. The, the, the fucked up thing about it is, is that, uh, you know, throughout like the my late teens and early 20s, I'd had these reputations. I'd had these fucking <clears throat> all these opinions formulated about me. And I was generally unaware of them at all. You were completely unaware of it because <laughs> case in point, I can't believe you talked to Nate about that. You come and tell me some complete outlandish stuff about him. I turned around and asked him and he was like, no. So then I turn around and tell you, can you be more specific? He says no. And then you go, so who am I going to believe? Right. Can you, you know? could you give me some articulation on this thing that you're... Can you yeah. both meet in a room and kind of hash out your business? Uh-huh. If yeah. you remember, I was big on that. Yep. Guy comes to game, girl comes to game. It's going to happen. They're going to split or what have you. Well, I, you know, I was big on it too. Yeah. You know, well, I've always been there. I've always been a confrontational person, both in the good and the bad. You know, if I've got something good, I'm going to bring it to you. If I've got something bad, I'm going to bring it to you. Right. And if I fucked up, I'm going to be the first one to go... Maybe you're right. I did fuck that up. I'm maybe not so good on that, you know. Right. But, but that's that's the personalities. Like I, I feel like that's what attracted us to each other is that we both have that. Like, dude, what the fuck is your problem? You know, <laughs> we, we, you and I are not the go behind other people's backs and talk about them. No. And and that mentality is one of the worst parts of of game that that I ever experienced. I will say, and maybe can you admit this? Yeah, that you were that way. Back in the day, coming up a little bit. Oh, I've been a fucking asshole the majority right. of my life. Right, but then you learned, there's a point where you learn that to be a man is to not do those things. Right. And that's, I literally feel that way. That, you know, you can be cool and not say anything yep. and just maintain to you that's fine. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm an alpha personality, you're an alpha personality, that's just, you're not mm -hmm. going to get that. Right. But that's what I'm referring to, is that you know your own. Yep. It's not this, I spot manipulation because I used to be manipulative yep. when, I was, when I was a teen. Very much so. You not only outgrow it, you realize it was despicable. You know why you did it. It was a weakness in you. Yep. And you didn't have confidence in you. Oh, absolutely. And that's why you did it. But once you learned confidence, grew a spine and had it, you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it anymore and, and yep. F anybody that does. I, I think I've been as manipulative as a shovel to the head most of my life. <laughs> you know, like my, my level of, you know, I, there have been times I get caught up, you know, in shit and, you know, back and forths and banters and bullshit and garbage. But as far as like, hey, Bob, did you hear about what so-and-so did? Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until so-and-so's in front of you and be like, why don't you tell Bob about that thing you did? That's a source. That's a, that's a type of manipulation as well. Right. Because you're throwing someone under the bus who maybe didn't want that shared, but that's just how I was. And it's human nature. I mean, it's... it's it is a defense mechanism that someone will develop when they hear something that doesn't include them, yep. that's definitely dramatic, and they seek that entertainment. Yep. That is a form of entertainment for them. And they go to see the fallout of it because there is a fascination because it doesn't happen to them. Yep. They are never in those scenarios, so they like it's like self-fulfilling prophecy. If you notice people who get caught up mm -hmm. with a lot of stuff going on in their life and they have drama, they don't want it and they don't create it. Right. To those who nothing ever really happens to, they will spread it. They will create it. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I don't disagree at all. I feel, feel like I probably shouldn't have walked away from the mic to say that, but yeah, I agree. Um, probably one of the other things that I, I, I think is a bad aspect of gaming is it's just fucking expensive. Nerd culture is expensive. Anything entertaining is going to require an investment. <laughs> it's costly. It's going to require an investment. Yep. That's really the only, you know, I can't think of anything else really bad about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Honestly, good things and bad over things. 18 years, the total investment I've had into gaming and everything else, uh, I have a dollar amount for it. Not for this cast, but I did it one day to be humorous. Mm -hmm. It was over $8,000. Yeah. It was over $8,000. Well, you know, and, and over that period of time, it's not a lot of money. Not not in the grand scheme of things. Well, it's a lot in the terms of what I have all my gaming stuff right before eight thousand dollars in my pocket right now. Yeah, of course. Uh, but but me. either way you wouldn't have had that money in your pocket. We have a philosophy. I know we do. I would well actually I heard you saying I agree with that hundred percent. What is the point of hanging on the paper? Yeah. Right? If you need it, obviously use it for what you need, be responsible. Right. right. But in terms of entertainment, if that money you traded in for stuff that you're going to like and enjoy, that's why you did it. Right. And that's a big thing with me. As long as you take care of what you had, what you got, and it's there, who cares? Yep. There should be uh, no judgment. You should spend your money on things that make you happy. But I do agree with you. From paintballing <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> what is it, um, 40K. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's like where I drew the line because I couldn't, it was just, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is a ridiculous hobby. So if people can imagine, imagine taking a nice tabletop, right? Just a kitchen table, if you will. You clear it off and then you put terrain on it. Like you take this uh, different type of, and by terrain, you like a theatrically make terrain out of foam or what have you. Yeah. And paint to look like mountains and little mini trees and all that. That's all cost, Buildings right? Buildings and, yeah. Hobby-wise, it's already expensive. Yeah. However, once you have your war terrain or whatever it's supposed to be, you then got to go and collect and buy all your mini figurines of war. Right. You have to build your own army. You have to go out and buy these individual miniatures to do so. And these armies cost thousands of dollars for a good one. Significant. Yes. Right? Tons of money. And it depends what well, multiple armies will get you by that amount. I've never heard of one army being a thousand, but maybe it is now. Yeah, I don't know. But they're made out of metal and this... This, this is some, very some detailed of them. stuff, right? Because you know, I got to paint them. Yep. And then I got to bring them out to this table and I'm lugging them here. And I got to buy the equipment to carefully hang on to my metal figurines so they don't get dropped or stepped on or what have you or rained on. Right. Then I got to put them on a table. Now I got to have them. I got to field my army and then play. Now, why I say things like this, and definitely I'm talking derogatorily, is because I will never spend a dime on it. I've, I have friends, close friends, who are diehard into it. I get it. Yep. But to me, any game that's going to take four hours or more to execute and all the monetary effort and all yep. the effort and downtime, and I still got to buy books to know the rules, and I still got to buy books for my specific army, and the rules are going to update, and I got to memorize it online, and I got to basically devote a lot of time just to move my little dude <laughs> four or five inches Right. And roll some dice to determine who won. Yep. Um, no. <laughs> no. That's as complex as it gets. I roll some dice. Right. And now that little dude blows your little dude up or he doesn't. Right. I did all that for that. No. Yeah. It's, it, no. it is a, I don't know. It's one of those things where the company that makes them came up with some pretty interesting fiction, you know, for people who are into that kind of thing and wrapped these people into it. But, 
It's a powerful story. Yeah. You know, it talks about 40,000 years into the future, all the technology we have now and all the inventions yet to come out. There's a cataclysmic war we have with, with demons, right? And aliens. Yep. It, it, it's a combo of both. Yeah. And we're warring for the galaxy and mankind's in the brink of extinction. But they've rediscovered what technology they could and what they can understand and some that they've reinvented and they've melded with magic, with the occult, if you will, because that's real. You know, demons are real, occult's possible. They've melded with uh, science and science has found a way for psionic testing, for mind power, right. you know, all this stuff. And space travel and how dangerous that is. Intricate, intricate things. But in the 40K universe, there will be eternal war. There is always warring somewhere. Which is how they have multiple armies and all this stuff. And why you're always buying more. Things are always evolving. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, it's really fucking expensive. Yes. <laughs> and it's uh, it would be uh, an easier and less cumbersome prospect to take all of this recording stuff that I have here. And carry that with me to another location and set that up and do a podcast. Right. That would be less taxing and bothersome. Agreed. Than buying a bunch of miniatures and spending hundreds of hours painting miniatures and then carting those around with your terrain or your fucking table or whatever, whatever and playing that game. Th this would take less time. So It's one of those things. And yeah, cost. It depends. It depends, right? Right. Whether, but whether you're doing paperback role-playing games or live-action games, live-action being the least expensive of them in terms of material. Yep. Live-action now includes gas, cost of the gaming site, if there is one. Right. Uh, food, but that's anywhere, right? Yep. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, your clothing, your outfits. Did, yep. you, did you decide to spot your friend? Did your friend spot you uh, this week? Whatever is going on. I remember that when I was like uh, still in high school and I was, I was doing live-action role-playing, that was like what we would we would spend the entire week because there would always be like games every day or whatever, but they were shitty little games with like five or six people or, you know, whatever. But there was always a game on Saturday, <laughs> whether it was at the Riverwalk, whether it was at Lilacia Park uh, or it was at some other location or whatever. So that was like I, I would spend all week like preparing, like, you know, I'd get home Sunday and go, OK, I need five bucks for that game to get in. But then I need ten bucks for dinner that night I, you know all, all this shit right so like i would spend all that time like working up to it and you know it just i probably wouldn't get the same joy out of it now because you know i'm a fucking grown up like we tried know. we tried truth is that we went to we went to college to page they have a game still and of course it's on a saturday and we went there but i i said this before the showmen are not a game anymore no the showmen aren't a game anymore I'm not running a game anymore, um, a LARP anyway. They're, they're just not there. There are people who were into it and were artists at it and cultivated it, and the efforts they put in showed, and they were the showmen. Yep. When these people, we visited a game, and I would call us the showmen, and we got into character, and the people at those games now, they're the audience. Right. They're the audience. They're there to see what we have going on, what we're going to do next. What are we into? What are they going to cause? They be, we become the entertainment. Right. And to a storyteller who is used to maybe a more sleepy, rain game, not as entertaining, it's a nightmare. Yep. Or it's a blessing. And But the bottom line is, for us, it was dull. Yep. You don't want to go anywhere and ruin anybody's good time. Anybody's yep. good time. Because you're in the building. Yeah. And that, that was a lot, of, a lot of the times that's what it came down to. 
is that like a lot of these people didn't even know us. They just knew stories about us from years past, or they had played in games that we were also in, but didn't really interact with us and were just kind of dicks. Like from entry, we're kind of dicks. And then kind of dicks turned into real dicks. But as and I said, it was just like, yeah. right? Yep. This was like, nah, you know, that maybe doing this and trying to find enjoyment in this, <laughs> not not really worth my time. I had more fun doing other things. Yep. And so that's what you move on to. Yep. And, that's, and that I feel is just really anything. But those are the worst, honestly, mm-hmm. worst aspects. So you'll have your weird, creepy manipulators, yep. which are easy to spot. Once you spot one, you can spot them every single time. Then you have those people who are way too into it. Yep. Brad Nasveratu Oldbald uh, being a name that will live in infamy. <laughs> so for those who don't know. I don't back, know. Back in, you, back, in Lalesha, back in the day, we'll call it the golden era. Mm-hmm. I was running, now the only storyteller running an entire game for, for about 100 people. Yep. Uh, so it was me, one storyteller, only dude on staff, running it for 100 players to come out and run a live action role playing game inside of a park for like six hours. Mm-hmm. And then however long at Denny's it went. And I met every flavor of character under the under the sun yeah. that could possibly show up for these events. And not not like character for the game, like character like real life. Real wow. character. Yeah. And there was this kid that I was made aware of. I never approved his character. He never had one. I never saw a sheet for it. A bald head with the kid uh, kid with the bald head and glasses and a cape. Yes. And so, and we say kid, he must have been, what, 15, maybe 16? Yeah, he was He was definitely, he was younger than I was, and I was probably like 19 or 20 at the time, so definitely still high school age, I would say. He had the Bela Lugosi black and red vampire cape. Yep. He had a cane, and I remember there was something with the cane on top, if I remember, like a little globe or whatever it was. And he would walk around, and he would convince people, or try to convince people he was really a vampire. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with this kid. Yeah, well, please I, do tell. We'll, we'll carry on and finish your story up. All right. So, well, because I only know from being told. Uh-huh. This isn't what I was witness. I saw him and I was, he always avoided me. Yeah. He never talked to me. So, so the conversation that I had from what I remember, it was very brief, but he walked up to me and I, you know, I, I immediately, I was very uncomfortable because he kind of like obstructed, you know, like. When somebody like walks up right in front of you yep. and like you have your back to a wall or something like I, I remember I was I was sitting on a concrete ledge and I was just sitting there and there were a couple of other people like kind of around me, but just scattered about, you know, I wasn't engaged in anybody. And he walks up and begins to tell me this story about how he's a real vampire and he's he's a psychic vampire. He feeds off of people's life essence. And that I should come to his house with him to check out some books that he has. And I was like, oh, really? I should, I should do that, huh? So you're, you're a real vampire, so sunlight doesn't hurt you. Well, no, because I'm not that kind of vampire. Okay? Garlic doesn't make you... And I went through like the whole array of like, Crosses, okay, how okay, how, how deeply does your mania go? Right. You know, how, how well can you rationalize every aspect of it? And his shit was on point. He had a reason for everything. <laughs> and I was like, yep, yeah, uh, sure. Maybe we'll get in touch. You know, send me an email or something. I, I don't know. I don't know how it ended, but eventually he kind of just, I, you know, I just kind of trailed off. Like, I don't have anything else to say to you. I, this is getting uncomfortable. And then he just kind of like slinked off to another one. Oh, yeah. 
very much like a, like a Jehovah's Witness or, you know, not to single them out, but like, you know, somebody trying to sell you something that they deeply believe. But we can single them out because <laughs> in the same night where I know he talked to you. So I want everybody to imagine, if you don't know Nate, um, Nate does, you know, he normally has a shaved head of some type. But back at this point, he had a slightly spiked hair or a mohawk. Yeah. So it's a slight mohawk with spikes, but it wasn't extravagant. It was just the style. And then he had, you know, his leather jacket on and had spikes on it, a bunch of band patches all over it for heavy or death metal, I should say. And just it's Nate. Had his yeah. boots, the nine. And he goes over to where we congregated for game in the beginning. And remember, I mentioned this before, there was pre. And it was cool to go to pre hours early because it was like a little party. Yeah. Everybody would go and get their dinner, whatever they're going to have, their drinks. You would sit around, chat, and get caught up and right. plan the night or whatever you're going to do. Well, in the park, these Jehovah's Witness showed up. Yeah. And they brought the pan flips, whatever. And all I remember is from a distance, I heard them approach Nate Melissa, who was all gothed out, of course. And then uh, someone else, I forget who the third, oh, um, I believe it was Miss, uh, Melissa's buddy. Oh, no, it was Pat. It was Pat. No, it was um, that fucking guy. I think his name was Tom. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Creepy Tom? Like, he had long hair at the time. And he, he, like, he had like a really weird personality. Misunderstood Tom, the guy who spent time in Germany. Yes, that guy. And then came over and he, yep. was, actually, he was actually an okay guy. Yeah. He was just different culturally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, that guy. And everybody's standing there. And then the Jehovah's Witness came over. What they, what they tell you, Nate? I don't even remember. But, the, you know, it's always like something about repentance. Like, you need to read this. Right? Like, something about me. You gotta save your soul. Was was often singled out, and this wasn't the only occasion this happened. This was not yeah. unique at all. Right. I, I one time, just as a side note, I was walking down a street by myself during the day, about twelve thirty one o'clock, and a car drove past me, stopped, pulled over, turned around. Guy got out of his car and handed me his Bible and says, "Here, I think you need this more than I do." Got it back in his car and fucking left. Wow. For no fucking reason. Wow. So, so the, something about me, I don't know if it was the way that I dressed or the fucking sour look on my face. You might have missed your calling. I, I was constantly trying to be saved, which if you remember, this is why I started collecting those pamphlets. Yes. Because I was like, well, instead of throwing them out, let me start a collection and see how many I can get. Right. But yeah, they went through the, the, the same, you know, the general rigmarole of, you know, God this, your soul that, where are you going to go when you die? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely became heated. Yeah. So for my for my distance, you know, I'm responsible for instance and happen a game, particularly as a storyteller. It should be me to separate, quote unquote, the, the mundanes from those who are playing. And when the game's not on, everybody's mundane. So a little refing and, you know, a little defensive. And I get over there and I see this this older guy must have been in his 40s with maybe his wife or his sister or whoever and some parishioners. And they're storming off. Yeah. He, he was aggressively witnessing. Right. Is what we will call it. And so he storms off, and these people were adamant on giving pamphlets out. And when I talked to them, you know, I was explaining them what I do, what my role is, and they were just telling me that, you know, you, the devil's wrong. The devil's wrong. Yeah, I know the devil's wrong. And I'm just like, well, let me show you this book. Let me show you the book that we're kind of going off of, and I want to, want to show you the rules that are on, like, I think at the time, page one or whatever it's on, right. very early on. Read these rules, and you tell me what we're doing that's satanic at all. And I remember the guy wouldn't read them. Yeah, However, no. the girl did. And when she read them, she goes, that's not what we were told is going on here. <laughs> and I was like, that's clearly what is going on here. And the only thing that's going on here, because when you hit a certain amount in the park, 
we had Lilatia Police getting, or Lilatia, a Lombard Police Department get involved with the game because it got too big. Yeah. Uh, a decent, a good friend of mine, uh, Murphy, helped me, helped us out. And uh, he talked to the police on our behalf and uh, for gaming wise. And then got these, we got these badges. And so if you're on staff, you had to wear these yellow badge so the police know who to talk to about what was going on in the park. Because we would start at like 6 p.m. and it would end at right around midnight. And that's when everybody would pack it up and go yeah. home. Normally the normally the park would close like an hour after dusk or something like that, but they let us play there, right? You know, till like eleven thirty at night. So what this did was that the community was shocked because there are this many people in the park, never been that many people there before, and out of nowhere, Lombard started using the park for more and more events, seeing as a lot of people clearly know where it is, and you had this religious group come through and thought that we were doing just terrible things in the park where no one could see at night. And I was like, the only thing we're doing is marching around getting sweaty wearing pleather. <laughs> That's the only thing we're doing. You know, there's some swaths going on. Right. Other than that, you know, some swamp ass. But other than that, that's that's about the extent. But it's not done. Because now there are interesting characters we've met. Tell us about the game we went to at the college where that girl cornered you. Oh, shit. Oh, what is the name of that college? I, I don't remember the name of the it's, college. It's up it's in not... like the Schaumburg area or something like that. It's a full-fledged campus. Yeah, it's 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 like a it's like COD but for a different county. I can't remember the name of it. But uh <clears throat> we were playing some characters or whatever and uh this girl she's like, "Hey, uh you know, can I talk to you about something in private?" And if you if you've played the game, if you understand it, that's a pretty common theme. Like, "Hey, let's go have a private conversation." And they're legitimately, "Let's go over here and talk about some other character Absolutely and the, right. <clears throat> the bad things that we're going to do to them or whatever. Sometimes they have a question in the view. <clears throat> right. Just want you to explain something, they feel comfortable with you for every reason. And sometimes they just want to go off in private and flirt. You know, that's a very common thing. So I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll go over here. And we're in this little fucking, <laughs> this little like, like stairwell, you know, like the, the outer, the outer, outer stairwell. And we're we're just in like the little little room that's like a landing for the stairs to go down, and so I walk through the door first because I'm a cocksure and I'm like whatever you know fucking we'll go answer this question because I'm playing a character, right. and I walk in, and the door is now behind me, and I turn around to talk to her and she's like literally, like less than a foot away from me. And she starts like, I don't know, it's just like like flirting or whatever, I, like like making weird insinuations, and then she starts singing, <laughs> and she's like singing at me, I'm like at the top of her lungs, and I'm doing that like weird kind of backup thing. <laughs> Where, you know, you take a little step back and they take a little step forward. And before I know it, I'm literally like in the corner of this room, like as far back in the corner as I could possibly be. And she's just fucking singing. She's just fucking going to town. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I have nowhere to move. I can't leave the room. I'm here for like three minutes while she sings this whole fucking song, staring me in the fucking eyes. Not, not just like, I'm going to sing, right, da right. like, I'm singing at you. I'm singing at you. And then that was over, and I was like, <laughs> uh, all right. And then I kind of like 
squeezed past her and went back in the room and found who I went to the game with. And I was like, you, I just got fucking sung at. And you guys can understand, I've never seen Nate rattled like that. He comes up like shell-shocked. I thought somebody <laughs> took a swing at him. I thought maybe somebody got murdered in a room he was in for real. And it's, But it's Harper College. Like yeah, that's, that's what it was, Harper What's, College. You know, it's, it's the big community campus. It's no big deal, nothing bad. But what if he did see something? Nate, are you okay? Bro, what's wrong? Let me help you out. And he's like, this girl was seeking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? And he tells us the story. I couldn't stop laughing. Now, when she came up, like, we wouldn't tell anybody else. That's why we're not not mentioning names. We wouldn't tell anybody else at game. We're like, guys, what are you laughing at? What's so funny? Nothing, nothing. Nate just had something interesting happen. That's that. Let's leave alone. Because we didn't want to embarrass her. One, Nate said she sang pretty good. Yeah, it was it was surprisingly good. It but it was it, for as good as it was, I think that made it even more uncomfortable. Right. It was the equivalent of a dude grabbing a, a good-looking chick, bringing her into a room and serenading her with a live guitar, <laughs> talking about love out of nowhere. Right, but not telling her beforehand, right. hey, like, I'm going to serenade you. No, same, same, same right. rules apply. exactly. You're thinking it's a character interaction. Right. Left field. And, like, and, just, but the no. problem was, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I couldn't determine. I was just like... Just it was like someone fucking hit me right in the bread basket, just like thump. And I was like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? And so I was like, all right, well, I I couldn't stay in character. So the other weird character encounter, similar to that. Uh, this one was me kind of solo. I, I remember I was invited out to I was dating a girl who knew a lot of people and a lot of games all over the state. Just kept in contact via email. So there would be a couple houses we would go to where parents had loot. This particular house we go to, was I want to say, was like between... I forget if we were in Indiana proper or not. But they had, first off, land. I remember there being a big field. Uh-huh. We pull up to it at night. And there was about precisely, I'd say, 18 people. I remember a head count being done because we had to sign in and you know pay your 20 bucks or whatever. But this guaranteed you food, right? And we're not talking pizza. Right. Like, it was appropriate finger food for a nice gala affair. We'll put it that way. Now, what I mean by appropriate, we're not going to feed you chili dogs. Right. Right? That's not going down. Um, The food type, I remember it being something like vegetables that you dip in and what have you. And then there was no no ranch, no onions, nothing that would give people bad breath because we're going to be talking. And it's some sort of meat thing. But it, it was pretty cool for that. But I remember going up these steps, right? These ivory banistered large steps in the middle. And I stopped at the midpoint because you got to understand, everybody was dressed up, uh-huh. decked out, literally looked like vampires, like 18 people. I was uh-huh. floored. I'm sitting here with the person I came with who got all dressed up and it was normally she did. No big right. deal. But now I'm here and we're the, we'll just say the, what's the quote unquote, the needle got picked up from the player. Uh-huh. I have to be announced in. And they give me this long list of a title, but use my real fucking name. Okay. <laughs> and I come, I come in, like I wrote down my character's name and I'm playing some gangbanger, whatever. And, uh, cause that was usually my go-to. Right. It was like, I wear my street clothes. Cool. I'm a gangbanger with fangs. We right. can go with that. Cause I was getting comfortable. A ruffian, a tough right. thug. Yes. Yeah, a tough dude. Just getting used to it. Now at the time I have leather jacket, had my hair a little dyed on the tips. That was about it. And I'm up top. I'm usually the biggest guy there, most imposing anyway. And I'm up at the top. 
And I'm realizing that there's these women who are, first off, not wearing clothes under the under the hoods they have. Head to toe hoods, not, they're not. <laughs> and I immediately go back to the landing and I stand there and they call my name two or three more times. Now I've offended the host. Some dude's house. I remember turning and, and she comes up, you're embarrassing me. And I said, you need to take me home. You need to take me home right now. And she's like, why? I don't know what's going on. These people got real things in their mouth. I ain't sucking on nothing. I got like hoes with no clothes and whatever they got going on. I don't know what it is at the table and the ambiance and what's going on. Count Dracula don't live here in Indiana. Ain't nobody with corn, nothing, vampire know-how. And this, this shit's too far. You've gone too far. I get home, right? Right. I drove, which is the beauty of it. And yes, I'm a jerk. I left her there. <laughs> She told me, it's either you stay here with me and it's with me, or you leave me here. I left her ass there. <laughs> I want this to stand for record of all time. For all time. <laughs> anybody, anybody, any girl that, any... Listen, sex is not important enough to me to take me somewhere where something so creepy is going on that you taking my ass down with you with the promise of your body. It's not happening. Yeah, no. It's not mm -hmm. happening. Nope. I was out like trout. I drove home, put it behind me, and... That is as dark as, as that's ever gotten for me. Because there's signs. Sign number one. Yeah, we run game. It's exclusive. Red flag number one. Why yep. would you want an exclusive? Right. Number two. It's going to cost about 20 to 50 bucks for the site. And why that's a red flag is because you're going to stay the night. Okay. Right. Re okay, red flag number two. Red flag number three. It's mandatory. Everybody dresses up in character and there's no out of game. For the moment you get there. This is the rules I give you. It's a gift I give to everybody who listens to this. That is how you know you're going to end up in a weird house. Yep. With some funk going on. And they may hack off a hand. You don't know. Don't know. That is a dark side right. characterization. There, there is, it is mandatory for anybody that has ran a large game or even a small game, a game at a convention, you know there is a decompression. There is a need for a decompression. A break. If you go to a fucking game and they're like, you're, you're required to be in character at all times, you can't break character, fuck you. I'm going <laughs> to go outside and I'm going to fucking smoke this here cigarette out of fucking character. Then I'm going to get in my car and fucking analyze why I came to your creepy shit. <laughs> if, you, if you blur the line between fun and fucking, like, we're, we're like a fucking social club like like a, we're a weird fucking eyes wide shut kind of shit like i hate that concert <laughs> i can't hear social club without hearing we're the street, street sweeper social, social club. club we're not just a band we're also a social club thank you yeah. for that yeah i hope trent Reznor shot that guy i don't know what happened to him but i don't think they're a, a social club anymore sorry for, <laughs> for, for reference there was a band that opened for nine inch nails when they were last in the city. Yes. And we, we saw them, and the Street Street Social Club is there. And the lead singer, every other breath he took was to prop up that he's not just a band. Then this band featured Tom Morello on guitar from Rage Against the Machine fame. And I don't know what the fuck was going on, but yeah, he had to make it a point every fucking time. The before the song, after the song, again, oh before, after, and again, yeah, every to fucking time. To do just time. what did now, to stick in my head years later. And yeah. now ruin social club for me forever. Yes, but uh, yeah, we're we're uh, we're at the, like the two hour mark, so yeah. um, I think it's a good time as any to wrap up. I think we have ran the fucking gauntlet. Of, what is nerdy? Yep. Really, we talked about mostly live action role playing, but 
That's what we have the most experience with. So, you know, I I think we touched on the important things and it's not any different in any other aspect of, 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 of the culture. So like it or don't, that's what we did. That's what we do. So, um, couple of things uh we will do a podcast this sunday probably coming into monday or monday anyways you'll you'll have one out at the normal time of monday and then next week the 10th we usually put out a podcast on friday i will not be in town i will be down in fucking southern illinois at the tip of illinois yeah um so we won't have one that friday but sunday when i come home I'll probably talk about my trip and, you know, I don't see why we wouldn't document that um, because I'm sure I'll have after three days of fucking camping with a bunch of dirty metalheads. Yo, now is not the fucking time. Sorry. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so you'll you'll we'll have one. uh, We'll have one more podcast come up before next week and then we'll only have one that week. So. So, yeah, um, stick with us. Um, if you listen to us on iTunes, you can go to my website, utilitymuffinlabs.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, Team Epic Win. You can find us on Stitcher. You can share this. If you like it, leave a comment. Share it on your Facebook. Share it with your friends. If you don't like it, share it and make fun of us. But at least then we still get listeners. Um, comments, comments, comments. Get yeah. stuff into, into Nate. Always love stuff about this podcast, especially when it comes to uh, feed forward, feedback, whatever you got. Yep. Uh, no such thing as a bad comment, but just let them know you're listening. Let them know yep, you're enjoying Absolutely. And if you're not listening, you're fucking not listening. So, <laughs> 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 But uh, that'll be it for us today. Thank you for listening, and we will say peace out. Ad via the Zane. Fuck Hank Pimps. <laughs>